Hey, welcome uh, to Tone Talk with Mark Uzanski and Dave Friedman. It is a special Tone Talk with Jeff Pilson and special guest uh, George Lynch, too. Who who just happens to be here. Who just, happens, just happens to be there. Need a what new what, what intro, are you doing there, George? You need a new intro. Oh, shit. Oh, bone talk. We need more bone talk. Oh, no, you got to change the whole thing to bone talk. <laughs> you need us to write the music for the intro. I would be into that. Yeah. Sure. Sure, you can you can do that. We'll we'll, we'll promise to take you to dinner. Yeah. Where? <laughs> Maybe sushi. That matters. Dave has never bought me a meal ever. Ever. Well, you've never bought me a meal either. Well, <laughs> there's no restaurants by stupid tone whatever your store is called yeah north hollywood restaurants come on what's the name of your store bone tone tone merchants tone merchants oh i'm sorry dude my memory is so bad we literally okay so we're working on this record right now and we literally wrote a song and worked on it all day and it was a cover song that's a hit song that sold tens of millions of records that everybody knows. So we wrote a hit we song? We wrote it. Nice. Well, no, we didn't write it. I mean, we recorded it. <laughs> and then, then we walked outside at the end of the day to my, to my, to my car. And, one of us and we were like, what, what was the song we just did? And we both yeah. sat there literally for five minutes. Well, we never figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> and we played it a thousand times. I mean, what the hell is that? Age. Age. Yeah. That is so messed up, dude. It, it is. Well, oh my god. Yeah. But it sounds that, well. The good thing is, is we're 20. only younger. You know. What song was that? "Stay with Me" by Sam Smith. Oh. Uh, we rocked it out. Cool. What's this for? <laughs> Heavy hitters. We're, uh, we we did a record called Heavy Hitters. They that know. Came out. They know that. Oh, they did. Okay. No, uh, no, I don't think I did. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. Nobody <laughs> so, knows that. So, <laughs> so we did a heavy uh, a record called Heavy Hitters that came out, I think, last year. Yeah, mm. yeah, like early 2021 or, or no, late 2020. It was mm -hmm. late 2020. Mm -hmm. Anyways, and it's us doing covers, which is really fun. You know, we we kind of get to experiment a little bit. Right. So we're doing another one of those, and um, I don't know when it'll come out, but it'll probably be done in the next couple months. We got a really cool name for this one. Um, because we put our heads together, yeah. and it's called heavy. Uh, put our heads together, it's called heavy hitters, too. And there's and two, there's wow, two but myself, I'm that's fantastic. But yeah, yeah. 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 I got the heavy hitters part, I think you got the two part. It's... I got the two, I was sitting in the bathroom, and it just kind of hit me. Number two just hit me. <laughs> <laughs> the creativity just flows in there with you because we're writing the song there because you told me it sounded better in there and then some of it hit me too like, that was a shitty day two hit you too yeah. wow cool <laughs> Heavy you guys you guys have always been working on this stuff too long today because you're <laughs> obviously yeah. you hear it i, I hear you the burnout you understand why we're fucking we the put we the are. heavy in heavy hitters heavy hitters all right yeah. well we fixed no Basically, what we did is we took stupid songs that guys like the Rolling Stones wrote and who else? Crosby, Stills? Crosby, Stills, Nash. And, and Young, guys and like that. Peter Gabriel. But we fixed them. Yeah. We fixed them. <laughs> yeah, because that would get, you know, right. Like, they should have been done originally. Right, right. 
like if they had instead of those lame versions they had. Well, these guys don't know how to play that good. They didn't have Friedman amps. The, right, that's the difference. Uh, see right. that? <laughs> see, they got me. And that yeah. naked. That make, they were just naked. If the Rolling Stones them. had those, they might have done well. They didn't have naked. Yeah. <laughs> they would have done better. There's no such thing as naked in Dude, 1968. Classic rock yeah. music would have been so much better if they had Friedman amps back then. True. Could you imagine the distortion <laughs> and how loud it would be? Just way better. <laughs> it's a good thing about the Friedman amps, man. Well, you know, isn't that cool? You guys don't even have to ask us questions. You know, <laughs> no, I know. You guys are just rolling. going on your own. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I when I go into the camera, it go away from the camera. It's absolutely, does it have a repel George? <laughs> it could be. I think all, I'm, I think all Max come with that. Now. Yeah. It, it must be, see, in the, in the left-hand side of the screen, it says Jeff Pilsen. And so it's repelling you away from his name. Could you, could I move this? Yes. Um, how do we do that? There you go. There you go. So I think I'm a guitar player. I mean, I don't want to be in it, in it. I mean, I'm just kind of an ancillary auxiliary. Okay. Here's a special surprise it. for the show. So, so, what else are you guys working on? Five five thousand dollars plus. I get plus he's giving me it? two free amps. That's how long great. Does it take? it takes two hours. Yeah, and all that prep we had to do before we even logged on, <laughs> and they weren't even ready. <laughs> I should seven thousand. All right, take it away, Dave. Sure. Oh, yes, <laughs> not done. That was a good. That's episode. it. That was a good episode. All right. All right. Yeah. You guys rock. <laughs> Oh man! So you work on a, you're on a whole album now. How how far along are you with it? We we just did the seventh song, but I mean we we're only doing musical beds right now. We haven't done vocals, and there's only a few bass tracks. And Brian Tishy's going to add the drums when we're done with all the eleven songs. So we're seven songs in with musical beds. If that makes seven, sense, seven of eleven, uh, all covers except for one, which will be an original Christmas song. Oh yeah. boy, <laughs> a Christmas song. Well, it's in our contract. <laughs> I see. Atheists writing Christian and singing Christian songs. It's a it's a Christian song for atheists. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we put the atheism in. <laughs> the atheism. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, yeah. okay. We're here. We're here to make friends. Yeah. And, uh, increase our fan base. <laughs> You're doing a brilliant job of that. And, and yes, yes. <laughs> so what's the Christmas song? Ne ne next, it'll be on Blabbermouth. Uh, George, uh, <laughs> something about Christians. And uh, George calls Christians something. <laughs> I, just I, just I just said we're putting... Uh, we're Taking the God out of the Christmas, Christmas music. That's all. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, I feel we got out of on the wrong foot. So, what the title on the title title on like Blabbermouth or something would be uh, George Lynch, uh, uh, Godless Christmas or something. <laughs> God Killer. That's my new band. God Killer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. No, Jeff likes God. I, <laughs> I, I always love those. I always love those. Uh, those articles because uh you know you read the title and you're like what and then you read the actual article and you're yeah, like you didn't say that in the article right 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 the so clickbait you know that was that was that was like when we had jakey lee on jakey lee you know jakey lee calls mick mars racist no and it's in the article it says i i don't believe he's a racist <laughs> well no what he, what he actually was saying he was talking about uh uh 
who was he talking about? Mick Mars. Mick Mars uh, races mountain bikes. That's not what he was talking about. Race, that, that used to be you. It's true. He was talking about his being a racist. So he's a racist of mountain bikes. <laughs> mountain bike racer. Yes. <laughs> Racerist. That's a different thing. <laughs> and when it comes to race, racism, you really, I'm sort of the authority because my name is Lynch. So anything I have to say about racism, pretty much, you know, carries a little extra weight. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whoa. A little band called Lynch. <laughs> okay. Now. <laughs> Silence is just I'm not even going there. Um, it's a good thing nobody watches this show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There's we don't get much audience. No, all those all the news media and everything that never comes never if we were edgy, intelligent comedians, we get away with this. Oh, intelligent through it everything. But we're you know, dumb no fucking way. musicians. Everybody gets mad at us. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, Please take uh, it away, guys. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you guys invited what, us. What's going on with Foreigner? What's going on with Foreigner? Well, we're gonna hit the road again, middle of February. We're starting off with a cruise, one of those. I think it's the Rock and Romance cruise. So and COVID then cruise. And then, then we're doing, you know, amphitheaters and that kind of thing up until May when we go to Europe. And we're gonna go to Europe. We're gonna play the UK with White Snake. I think seven shows with them, if I'm not mistaken. Then Europe, and then a big summer tour. So, which wow. there will be an announcement for soon because it's a special one. It's it, it's funny. It's funny how when, uh, I mean, well, you've been playing. How many years have you been in Foreigner now? Eighteen now. Holy yeah. crap! Wow. I, yeah. It's funny. It's funny how I've watched it like rebuild the brand over yeah. over time. You know, it and is. I remember I remember when Bruce first got in the. Uh, in the band uh, and you know i thought it was just a little bit of shows here and there and slowly the brand built again and built again and now yeah. you're doing these massively well, long point, he was told it was going to be for two weeks and it's, yeah it's now been 10 and a half years so there you go yeah <laughs> that's wild exactly so so who's in first Buer or bruce oh i was in yes. before bruce yeah. yeah oh wow that's cool yeah we had bruce on all also I remember like seven years ago, you told me you were only in it for like 11 years. Well, I love Well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to tell me. That's obvious. (laughs) Hello, calculus, (laughs) trigonometry. Hello. (laughs) So let's talk amps behind you. So what what do you got? You got a naked? Got a naked. That I've had. A long time. I want to say at least 10 years, if not longer. I got it. Didn't I get it before was we that did the first so, run? The Nakeds was that the was that the Lynch? No, it wasn't the Lynch Wilson record. It was no. uh, which one? It was. Uh, when did you start making Nakeds? I mean, that had to that had well, well that goes way back. But that era amp, I probably uh, to, roughly around twenty ten ish, give or take a yeah, year okay. or two. Yeah, that's what I was. I was thinking. Yeah. I think it was before we did TNN. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. in fact, we used yours on the beginning of TNN, and I loved it, so I got mm-hmm. one during that. And then underneath that is the 68 Plexi I got from you, which is... Yes, the Marsha. It's the marsha That George uses all the time. Um, Sounds great. We love that one. Uh, then, then see that on the bottom over there? Yeah. Great JMP. This is a, a 79 JMP that... Especially when you work it with the two together, it's is that a hundred? It's a hundred watt. 
because I just I just saw one for sale, seventy nine JMP, uh, but it's a fifty watt. Somebody's selling. I might grab it. This Marshall two thousand. Actually, I got this from you, George. Oh, okay. like years ago. Um, it was. Uh, we don't use that. Was it a DSL? You know who loves this one is Reb. Reb loves that. Like he won't play through the flexi. Reb will not play through the flexi. He does not like the flexi. Really? Well, it's his thing. You know, it's not yeah. gaining for him. Um, this is the uh, this amp was Don Doc. Actually, according to Don Dockin, who who brought this by a couple years ago and just said, "Here, you keep it." Um, this apparently he says George used this. When when did you use it? Eighties or nineties? I forget. Anyway, but it, it's 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 a good amp for certain things. But with the plex, I mean, for for what George and I do, the plexi and the JMP. Plexi and the JMP are are. Yeah. And, and, and even for for co what you think would be combo parts, uh, yeah, or direct, you know, anything else, but but a but a big rock amp. But I mm -hmm. think that's one thing we were talking about how wonderful these old Marshalls sound, uh, Clean. cleaned up, yeah, like fantastic. Like you don't need to plug in the AC30 or the right silver face or whatever the hell else you know combo yeah. thing or. They're, they're oh no, not at all. Yeah, I can do a lot of stuff. Yeah. With even even with just your volume knob on your guitar, you know it's it's uh, you know on a plexi you roll the volume knob down it gets all sparkly, you know. Yeah, exactly, and that's yeah. that's what we use. So I'm gonna now take you into the amp room, uh, and <clears throat> show you. So this is my my favorite SVT. My it's my '71 SVT. Can you see it? Oh, yeah. Oh wait, hold on. There yep. you go. That's a '71 SVT that absolutely sounds incredible. Then underneath that, the one underneath it, if you can see it, mm -hmm. that is a that is a late '68 prototype SVT. Hmm. That super that cool. Is, it, way it's it's really great. It's not as good as the '71, but it has its own thing, and it's a little little different. And for certain things, it's amazing. And then on the bottom there, I don't know if you can see it or not, but there's a this is my old '87 that I actually had on the road with Dockin like during monsters of rock and all that stuff. And then, then here I have a, I don't know if you can see it, but it's a 57 bandmaster. It's been refinished, but it's a fabulous sounding bandmaster. Cool. Yep. See a, that. Uh, Watkins dominator. It's not the greatest dominator, but it's good. It's good. It's wow. not amazing. Jazz chorus, Roland, a uh, good friend of mine at Roland got me that amp. It's wonderful. Uh, early seventies, super pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, 1965 AC30. Um, amazing amp. Love that amp for certain things. This is the cab. Does that have a top boost on it? It does have a top boost. It's amazing. Nice. Here's a Marshall cab that we use most of the time. I have another one with 20s in it. This has 30s. Um, and then my 810 for the SVT. So it's a little tour of the amp room. You're set up. Yeah. Now the SVT that was kind of your go-to in the studio with Dokken. Always. Yeah. 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 Well, no, not always. What am I saying? We had a period where we flirted with Randalls. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Tooth and nails. All George Randall. and I were playing Randalls. RG one hundred. Is that yeah. solid state? Yeah. Is that? Was that solid state? state? But they said so. Gary Sunda was the engineer uh, over in Florton at Randall at the time and him and i worked together kind of like you and i you know sometimes get together dave when mm -hmm. we worked on all of our amps that we we designed together developed um 
which were Randall's actually. That's right. We worked together. Yeah, they were. <laughs> one or two versions of that. Yeah. And uh, some other things. But anyway, so I'd go to our, uh, Fullerton with Gary and I'd bring down my favorite like 50 watt Marshall and he'd put it on the scope and he would just emulate the the, the graph, you know, on the scope right. and, and keep changing things out in, a, in values and certain components in the circuit to where it would emulate and match that the curve on the, on the graph that we're getting out of the Marshall. And uh, I mean, and uh, so we toured with the Randalls exclusively we did. and on the tooth and after we came out with tooth and nail record, which we, we used those on the record. Uh, and then we played some dates with Pantera when they had, before they had Phil and Salmo and they were more kind of like a Van Halen kind of band. And we played a bunch of shows with them in Texas and they, and they, they would always stand right up front. Yeah, remember that? And yes. just time back would be like, well, well. And uh, he picked up on the Randalls, and he made them huge. You know, yeah, um, yeah. No, that's the whole. That's that. the dime bag sound. Is the RG100? It's not the Warhead, which was his. Yeah, mod- that's your no. old module. Does that look familiar? Oh, there you go. And I didn't, wow. ever, I didn't know about that. But that's that wasn't back in the day. No, talking, that was your. No. That was your Randall module. One of them. Oh Mr. shit! Okay, Mister Scary. Mm. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh. <laughs> you don't even remember. <laughs> no, remember Maybe because you didn't use it. He doesn't remember the song we just did. How are we going to remember an anthem? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we remember forty years ago. We can remember that. Interviews are really hard, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Right. or something. So, in in your studio there, Jeff, what, what what other records have you done there? Let people know what I mean. I know some of them, of course, but. Uh, um, well, I did both of the M Machine records, except except for the guitars on the last M Machine record were actually done remotely. So George, George, George was recording out of his studio, but I was able to run his studio, which was kind of cool. Um, but then, uh, so both M Machine records, both Black, uh, the, the first Black Swan record and then the one that's coming out in April. Um, I did a Warrant record in here. I did a, an Adler record. I did... Two last in line records, you know, mm-hmm. the band with Vinny Apice. Yep. And love that. Jane love and love that. Great production. Yeah. Um, and I did a Starship record. I think I said Adler. I did Kill Devil Hill, the band with, speaking of Pantera, Rex mm. Brown, yeah. and Vinny, and um, Mark Zivon, and Dewey Bragg. Uh, we did a record in here. That was really fun. Um, great guys. Um, what else? I'm, I'm sure yeah. there's more, but uh, now you're asking me to remember stuff. See, and we're talking about bad memories for old guys. <laughs> what song did we do today? The DMV tapes. Yeah, that actually. You know, what song did you do today? We did um, "Old Guys Forgetting Songs." You already forgot it again, didn't you? Oh, we did an obscure <laughs> song. Today. Yeah, we did. We did a really weird, weird unheard like of deep track, deep, deep, deep track. It's yeah. called "Jump a Jack Flash." It's really. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that one? Yeah. <laughs> so we got a wow. question already from Rummy. Uh, he says, "So over the years, did George have more groupies or product endorsements?" Well, I had more groupers. <laughs> <laughs> More fishy answer I ever heard. Well, <laughs> I had my whole little, you know, guitar, you know, guitar players in the '80s. You know, we had our little guy fans, and that's all of you know. All the girls were lined up for Don and Jeff. 
I just had like <laughs> guitar fans. So I called them groupers. Somehow <laughs> don't believe that, but yeah. The picks made for the lynch mob, which is what we called the guys that would always be in front of my part of the stage. And then I had picks made up so lynch mob and I throw them out. And you figured why rename a band if I've already got the picks? Well, I've invested a lot in the picks. So you have to have the art charge up front. Exactly. And exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Minimum order. You have to have like 134. <laughs> Someone yeah, came in and ran out. That was my daughter. <laughs> my daughter. Ah. Uh, uh, like, oh, I'm not supposed to be in here. <laughs> uh, people say hell of an amp room, Jeff. Thank you. Did you show them the Gibson EH-185? I didn't. That's in the other room. I, I got more amps if you want to take a, a further tour. They're like, oh, that's okay. Sure. Uh, I mean, I, Why not? I won't say that. Believe me, this show, they'll love it. <laughs> okay, well, the the only bummers I have a hard time seeing because I'm holding up the camera and I have a feeling my camera angles aren't the greatest. But you know what? We're going to deal with it anyways. All right, so we go from the amp room into the tracking room or drum room, which is in here. And yeah, what George is talking about is, see in the corner there? That's an old Gibson EH-185 amp. You oh, yeah. This is a great one. That's a really, really, really good old EH-185. Here's the, the old cab with 20s. Uh. Drum kit. <laughs> and there's my daughter's cello music. <laughs> nice. So, so you can put strings on your, uh, your uh, tracks then, huh? <laughs> I have actually on the first Black Swan record there was a I did this intro with four cellos and I actually played it which I hadn't played in a long time hmm. but it but that was cool so you can play cello otherwise it would be <laughs> all righty then so where were we you play cello poorly but a little bit <laughs> That's I cool. Make my way around it if I have to. So you give your daughter some tips. She's way better than me now. So yeah. So now you can record her. Huh? <laughs> but you know what? I I did like when she was learning. I would you know do little things for her. But um, she's got a good good sense. That's cool. Yeah. So I was curious. Um, going way back, how did you meet Mark Mike Barney? How did I meet Mike Barney? Well, I had just moved to. San Francisco in this was in the summer of 1976. I just graduated high school and over spring break of my senior year of high school, I came down to San Francisco because my sister lives there and I stayed with her and I decided I wanted to move there after high school. So I auditioned for a band and got the gig so that um, and then they were cool. They waited until I graduated high school and then I moved down to join a band there, which of course didn't, which only lasted about three weeks, but it got me to to Northern Cal, which was cool. And while I was there, I met Mike Barney. Ah. And then he was the one who ended up giving you the call to get into docking, right? Yes. That, that would have been seven years later. But yes, yes, he did. Oh, wow. Wow. Super cool. Super cool. So, um, so during this whole pandemic, what have you been doing? A lot of recording because I love to record and love to play. Um, and then spending time with the family. You know, I was, we were, uh, Foreigner was off the road for a year and four months. So in that time, we did the Heavy Hitters record. We did an M Machine record. 
Um, I don't know. I, I think that's all I did in 2020. I think I, I forget. But anyway, um, so between those two records and being at home with the family, that was that was plenty. Yeah. Well, it's nice to spend time with the family. I'm sure you were touring oh, before before it, right? You were probably on the road a lot. Yeah, 16 years kind of nonstop. So it was, yeah, it was great. It was great to have some time. That's cool. We have a question from uh, Casey McNerney. Uh, Dave, do you know what happened to all those 79 JMPs EVH used to carry around? He had like 10 of them. Maybe Lynch knows. Well, they're still they're still at his studio. Oh, they are? Yeah. Oh, wow. Eddie. Eddie has old 79 JMPs at his studio. Yeah. I don't think anything's going to be sold anytime soon. <laughs> but they might borrow, let George borrow it. Yeah, just give me well, the number. I'll give him a call. I'm sure everybody and their mother has been hitting up. Yes, yeah, kind of cult. You, know, you don't want to do that. You don't want to be that guy. Yeah, uh, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure he doesn't want to sell any of that stuff anyway. Dave, Dave's got a Dave. Uh, has a great Jose though. Oh, really? That he, how did you get that, Dave? I stumbled. I stumbled into it. Someone. Uh, Someone told me about one that someone was selling uh, in recent years, mm. and uh, I swooped in and kind of stole it. So it's a real Jose. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. I mean, I used to have one years ago that I actually had done by Jose that I wound up selling a million years ago. And then, uh, of course, the person that owned it then recent, had recently, in recent years, sold it for about $18,000. Oh. Uh, that that's even too cheap. That, that's quite a bit more than I sold it to him for. Wow. <laughs> Um, what about the Mick Mars one that just sold? Well, the the so Mick Mars had sold Richard Fortas, um, a uh, his Jose that he used on Dr. Feelgood. Mm -hmm. So, and that amp, uh, recently, uh, he uh, Richard decided to part ways with a bunch of gear, and Chicago Music Exchange put it up for him, and uh, they got $45,000 for it for a premium because of Mick Mars. Yeah, yeah, but the funny thing, the the actually, you can see pictures of uh, when they were at the US Festival. There was an amp that had um, like holes in the face of it, like big round holes. You can see pictures of it, and someone had originally like drilled huge holes in the face of it for fans and stuff. Mm. Let's put them on the uh, back in the seventies and lots of drugs. But um, <laughs> uh, the yeah, some tech had done that. I think Rudy Laren actually did it. Do do you think that uh, the 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 uh, values of the Jose's are justified in the tone? I mean, I've heard I've no. Heard. I mean, I, no, no, not really. I mean, it can be replicated, um, but I mean, did he? You know, it's a, it's a collector's item. I don't know. You know, can you? You know, it's like a fine piece of art or something. Uh, you know, it 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 gets a value because of the person's dead, so and I think people through the original artist. You know. I think people think that that was Eddie's secret, which I don't think was was the case. I think Eddie's no. just um, unmolested, sixty-eight super lead, right? Crank Variac maybe with yeah. You know, you know one thing we tried All the today, tricks. One thing know. we tried today actually, which was why was actually the reason I brought it down was because a lot of times we're playing through the marshals here, like the plexi that you got, Jeff. And it, it'll still like you want a little more something for certain things, but then 
it takes something away, right? Right. So there's always that. You're always go dealing with that struggle. So you got the Klon, you got the Tube Screamer, the vintage 808 with the whatever, and the JRC or Malaysian ship. You know, good Tube Screamer. Jeff's got a great Tube Screamer. And uh, but then it sucks up all the low end. So that you're just like, well, I don't want it to change the character that much. I don't want to lose my low end. So mm-hmm. I remember what Eddie used to use was the before he went to the ten band. Well, he used to use the six band. Mm-hmm. Which is noisy as hell, but we really just, noisy. Um, no good. We no. were just using just, it. the MXR just straight into the Marshall, and that was all you need. Well, no, no, well, no. Uh, uh, preamp with the with yeah, the EP yeah. early EP three Echoplex. Mm, right, right. Adding that adds even more noise. Right. Yeah, your Echoplex is magic. It's magic, but it's really noisy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it does the preamp thing. It does is yeah. different than the EP three. Yeah. It, it, what Jeff has is a transition, which mm-hmm. I, what I understand is super rare. So he has a, uh, was a 65? Yeah, it's, he said 65. It's a six. Okay, so it's an EP. It's an two. EP one box with an EP two, mostly EP two circuit. Right. Okay. Kind of hybrid because they had all the leftover parts. So they used a bunch of the EP one leftover parts. And you know, but okay, it is. It's really cool. It's really it's warm. Fucking awesome. Beautiful. So is it, is it tube? It's Echoplex. Yes. No? Yeah. Like, okay. So it's still a tube. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, EP two is tube as well, which are even noisier. <laughs> than, EP twos are even noisier. Noisier than EP threes. Yeah. Huh. Well, well like anything tube is noisier than EP three. This is an EP three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Which is why they're noisy. I thought the bigger issue with them is that they break all the time. Well, there's that. Don't look at it wrong. Yeah. I mean, I mean, don't even look at it if it's working. Don't touch it. Don't turn it off. Don't do anything. Just let it go. I mean, can you imagine people used to tour with those things? I do. No. Look, I I have one that is in a constant state of disrepair. It's like it gets it gets repaired, and then all of a sudden it eats the tape, and then then yeah. something else, then something else, and I, I swear to God, I don't think it's ever been working since I bought it. So can, not to change the subject, but speaking of Variax, we were talking about this too. I'm finding, because George gave me a Variac, right? That yeah. white one behind me there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm finding with the Plexi that for some reason, if I just kind of sort of match what the voltage is down, down below. I've what's got coming those, in the wall. What's coming in the wall. Yeah. Right now it's 116 and the Variac's at 116. And you're not mm-hmm. doing anything. I'm not doing anything, but that seems to sound the best with that head. Now, George was saying that usually you like to bias them for 110 and then put the Variac at 110. No, no. I, I bias it like for 90 volts. I put the Variac at 90 volts and then bias the amp for that, um, which is oh, wow. so it gets very kind of hot and gainy and warm and cool uh, when you do that. Well, we couldn't remember if if you had done anything to that. So I don't, I think I just serviced it. I don't, I didn't for the very act. No, but no, you definitely didn't. You want that bias to 90 before you run it at 90, right? We'd have to bring it back. Well, you, I mean, you can bring it down to 90. I mean, it's not going to hurt anything, but it sounds like I've heard it. I don't like it. Yeah. You lose, you lose something there. Well, here's the funny thing is even though your very act might say one sixteen, it might be a few volts lower. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You'd have to actually measure with a meter right out your variac there. That's and, what I do, and and see really what it reads. It's generally a couple volts off from what it reads on the little screen. 
Interesting. So uh, even the, there's a there's the same very act that exists now. Does it have a digital readout on it? Or it's no, a, is that a little... Yeah, yeah, it's a digital Okay, readout. so the digital readout, generally it's a volt or two off. Interesting. Generally for... You, you generally like if it's... If it says 116 on your thing, you'd set that for like 117. So you might actually be dropping it a volt or two. Huh. Well, for you'd some reason, that's the way it uh, sounds best to me. I, you know, Also, running through the Variac changes the tone a little bit, which is interesting. Hey, is there a difference between... Uh, is there... A di like, I like to use my Omite. Uh-huh. Vintage one. Is, is there, there a difference between Variax? Is voltage voltage? Oh well, <laughs> well, uh, that's a good question. Um well, this is tone talk. Uh that's yeah, this, a, is, this is really getting deep. Yeah. That's a good question. I would think there would be some variances between Variax because there's an actual variable transformer in it. Uh -huh. So uh yeah, how the transformer's wound and how it's made. Yeah. Maybe. Wow. Maybe a little. I don't know if it's going to be massive. That seems to sound better than the brown box. Oh, okay. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. I, I know there isn't, I mean, whether you're using a, a new Variac, you know, with a big dial on it or, yeah. that or potentiometer, where the hell it's called, or if you've got an old one, like an Omite or an old one from a theater that's this big and weighs 400 pounds, I mean, still doing essentially the same thing. Yes. If, what, what I, meant to say what jeff just brought up was the brown box yeah. that compared to the technology in something like the brown box is that that's a similar technology really uh it's a little different on how it goes about doing it um i haven't noticed it sounding any different when i use yeah I, it might not but maybe i uh, i like the idea of using the old school I, actually the very act that is sitting on top of the amp there is the one i have right next to me here it's that's the one i like okay. it's the one i recommend it works well that's the yeah. same one right you yeah. got a bigger version of it it's, it's just the a asian made variac yeah five amp so if yeah. if i if i got my plexi bias down to 90 and did the very yeah. 90 would i because one thing i love about this plexi is the big open sound that it gets yeah. would it lose that uh, it, it changes it. Um, It'll get more squishy. Um, yes, yeah. you know the funny. The funny thing, if if we can find, if we could find a small hole somewhere on the amp that we could put a switch, without carving it up at all, uh, something that wouldn't matter, then we, I could put a switch on it that you could you could switch just switches the bias. So use this with the Variac and use uh, this with not. Get four output holes. You don't need. You're only going to use. One if that amp has four output holes, we can use one of those. Of course it does. Well, that. not all of them do. Yeah, I do like that. That's I love nice. that idea. I'll tell you right now. I love that I mean, that you never idea. use two cabinets. You don't never, use. ever, ever for recording. Or, okay, yeah, if you never use two cabinets, I can just use one of those, and then it won't. I'll, you can save the jack, course, yeah. so, you know. The minute we do that, you know, somebody's going to say, hey, oh can you God. bring a Marshall stack? I've never seen a Super League with two, uh, only two output jacks. On the yeah, mo most do, old ones. The, just the later 70s ones, though, oh, have four. Okay. Well, that's. In docking, all I ever used was early metals. I never. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's, that's why I got used to that. Yeah. Okay, so that only has two, but you only need one. Right. So you could use that pot to make a bias. Or that to jack. make to yeah. have, so it'd be a different bias. Yeah, you're just gonna have to remember to make sure that you don't screw up and leave it on ninety, but have it at normal wall voltage because then your right. tubes tubes will melt. Yeah, they'll melt. What right. about doing that circuit change that you've done to all my old plexis? Which one is that? The one where now I run everything at 90 volts. 
Oh yeah, well that uh, yeah, and then and That's then good. and then some other little changes. You don't want to mess with that, bro. No, I, I no no, just leave it. It's great. That's a great app. That sounds great. I, I love this app. It's broken. Don't fix it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a that was a cool one. So yeah, man. And Thank you know you. what? You got it just in the right time before the prices really skyrocketed. I know. I know. That, that, that I would know. cost you ten thousand dollars now. Be double. No. Jesus. Really? It, it would double. cost you ten thousand dollars for that amp now. Really crazy. That's a, that's like a six day plexi hundred. No, that would. Cost yeah, you're right. It would cost so since yeah. you used it on all these records and we use it now, you could. Well, I know you're not going to sell it, but. You increase the value. The provenance has gone up on it, also. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Now you. Now you're the painter, and but you haven't died yet. So. <laughs> Should I hurry up and get there? So. You <laughs> well, that's your. Do your daughter will just you know. Yeah, that's benefit from that. So much money when we died. Oh man. Great. Yeah. Oh, Can't wait. Gonna be yeah. No kidding. We're gonna have a super nice. George's coffee. wife's gonna be taking it all, and. <laughs> I left everything to tone merchants. <laughs> yeah, cool. You're responsible for my success with your beautiful tone tools. <laughs> he should change it to a bone merchants personally. Oh, uh, yeah. In your will, in, in in your will, can you you know leave me your plexis that I've worked on? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna leave you Jeff's plexi. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I wanted to ask George while you're here. Um, where can do you have a story on that? cab that you did with uh that vh cab that you did with two notes um that oh, van halen uh, cab so i bought i bought one of uh one of eddie's cabs from flag systems back in the day um remember he took all the tolex off of them and he had mm -hmm. all the bare ones and then he went and got those carpeted flag system back which yeah but anyways so they i bought one of them off of them but it didn't have any speakers in it it was just a cab oh, okay different speakers in over the years and now i ended up putting in the same speakers he had in it which is the two g jbl d 12 f's on top and the uh whatever the i don't know if they're pre-rollers or whatever some old celestians on the bottom i wound up putting those in <laughs> you'd know better than i do what's in there but you know it's kind of the eddie set you know the classic eddie right setup. right, right. No, that sounds JBL right on the celestians and then it does that thing and then like, that got used for the two notes pack Using the two notes pack, I mean, I can't really use it on tour because I can't take cabinets with me because I'm, you know, I can't fit them on the overhead compartment <laughs> yet. Yeah, right. Right. Yet. Overhead compartments. Yeah. No, and actually, I, I in the uh, wall of sound, I've got both of the cabs running. So you, you know, because it's got the top and the bottom speakers, or however it is. So I, I blend them, and it sounds really good. Because it's like it's got uh, the Lynch cab A and Lynch, or VH cab A and VH cab B. I think well, it's you're talking about you're talking about the two notes thing. Yeah, the two notes thing. Yeah, oh, exactly. I thought you meant the, the actual cab. Yeah, everyone everyone has your cab now. It sounds it's great. Real deal, dude. It's, you got to have the real deal. Yeah, well, it's different. I, but... I'm sorry, and I you know, and it's great, but I have not. I've tried and tried to find a way to record that I can live with. That's that's a, you know, plug it into a, a, D, a, a DI, yeah. and I've tried everything I can think of, and it's just I just go back to the amp and I go, hello, it's alive, it's breathing, it's three dimensional, it's responding to touch. It's like I'm sure they'll get there, but I don't think they've got. Yeah, me. but that, wait, that sounds like you're talking. That sounds like you're talking about like modeling and stuff. 
Yeah, I guess I am. I didn't even know. Yeah, yeah you started going off in the modeling thing, not so much the IR part. Yeah. You, you just stay with the cabinet. It's fine. Well, the thing is, I, I mean, you got I, the real I, deal. Why not use it? I'll find also that if you, I mean, if you're using a real cab compared to goods going into like even the two notes or anything like that, or the ox, it don't, you don't get that responsiveness, the feedback, it, you lose some of that. You know what else is freaking scary too, is those ox things and all those kinds of things that you, you take a real amp and you plug it in and that goes direct, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to take your $10,000 priceless, uh, Marshall Plexi and risk having that something happen to it using that stuff. It, it, I, I think the best one to if you're going to do it would be the uh the Fry at Power Station. Mm. That and one's not, totally okay. Safe, okay, yeah. hold on a second. What's it called? The Fry at Power Station. Fry it. Okay, I'm not using something called Fry it so, to avoid frying your hand. I have a well. You guys know Richie, right? You've done yeah. some stuff with Richie. Mm -hmm. so he uh, he just actually I talked to him uh, last week. He blew up his plexi using the ox. Hmm. Well, you know, okay, you know some some people some, some people say that um, transformer. Well, really, the output transformer. Yeah, but. And it's happened to him uh, more than once, and it's a reissue plexi, so he's able to get replacement transformers from Marshall. But if that was that amp, that would never happen. The amp would be junk. That's why I use the Fryat, even though it's <laughs> even though the name, <laughs> which I've never really thought about until today. Thank you. You don't use anything called. A, why don't you just call it blow up your fucking old cool amp box? <laughs> you can go back to VHT. VHT. I guess Steve can't do anything about his name, unfortunately. Just like you with Lynch. Nothing you can do. What happened when I used my last name to right? Yeah. Well, if you've you've abandoned your last name now, right? Yeah. Although I'm getting a lot of pressure. Well, I'm say a lot of pressure. I'm getting some pressure from the guys and I put a get to, together a new band for next year or this year. And uh, they're kind of like, do you ever want to think about maybe going back to that name? Cause that's what everybody knows you as. I'm like, well, I already quit using the name. So I can't like three months later go. I was just, that was just, just kidding. Yeah. Read the fine print. I'm getting rid of the name and walking away. I'm uncomfortable with it for three months. <laughs> so, yeah. What you're saying is I would be perfect as a drug dealer. Pill son. Yes. Yeah, you were you were meant for the pharma industry. Yeah. Wow. Big pharma, big Jeff. You probably <laughs> probably make more money. I, I would definitely you make more money die, the, in a fucking gunfight. You, you could be in pharmaceutical <laughs> sales. It would be a, a novelty. Yeah. Yeah. Pills you're good at it because you're that kind of guy. You know what I'm saying? I got you some pills for you. Kind of oh, no, a drug dealer kind of guy. <laughs> like a gangster. You know what I mean? Oh, like, me? Yeah, yeah. I'm a total gangster. I mean, a lot of people Hey, man. Is that that guy? Are you trying to say that I'm a drug dealer? <laughs> <laughs> 
Gold tooth. Right I should tell my drug headlines. Dealer. Headlines. <laughs> Jeff <laughs> Nelson, drug dealer. <laughs> the other day. That's the story you want to tell. Good. It was a cool story. Go ahead, guys. All right, we got a question from Sloppy Fingers. I, I'm trying. I tried reading it. I'm not really sure. Maybe someone else will get it. Uh, Alt Uni amps only had trans tech and digital modeled X trans amps. Guru Mr. Friedman tried tubes for amps. Would there be a Eureka moment? Tell me. I have no idea what that says. Okay. Yeah. Sloppy fingers. I, I'm sorry, dude. You got sloppy fingers. Cause you know that reminds me of the t-shirt uh, that we're working on. Remember the t-shirt we were going to print it up for tow merchants. Oh God. What was that? Um, uh, I've blown a few trannies. <laughs> <laughs> well maybe maybe that should be for uh, uh universal audio for the ua ox then oh there you go <laughs> at least according to your story wanna, yeah yeah, yeah. want to blow a tranny <laughs> get an ox <laughs> <laughs> we're also marketing gurus by the way yeah, i don't know yeah, if you yeah, do that yeah. it's another well, thing we do on the side industries you know? yeah we don't like to talk about it yeah. we don't brag about it the, Just the views expressed here have nothing to do with tone talk model <laughs> <laughs> your company what you, you came up with that I phrase. Been training? I, I yeah I'd like no I, I know that was you <laughs> and then there's a picture of the what I want to know is how, how do you know so much about trannies well because his son-in-law blew blew a bunch you know oh yeah. Yeah. oh how is he by the way is he doing good uh he is doing good yeah I mean, good to hear out. yeah I mean they're they're going out you know, I think in March, Priest is going. It's amazing. Out. Yeah, glad to hear it, man. Uh, yeah, he went over. You know, got over the the hump of the recovery thing, where you know, yeah, his body kind of healed. It's he's a young guy, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. Thank Same God. Good to hear. Good to hear. Boy, he was uh, just in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. Right city thank, at the right time. Right. Thank God. Yeah. Yep. Um, Anthony DiCarlo, uh, thank you for another great show. Jeff, what gear Prees and Dawes do you use to record and mix with? Prees, oh, all right. Well, I, I don't do, on most of the stuff you hear, I don't usually mix it. Um, either Alessandro Del Vecchio does, Wynn Davis mixed the TNN record, um, Chris Collier mixed, mm -hmm. did he mix... Did he, no, he didn't mix it. Uh, I forget. Anyways, uh, Jesse. Oh, Jesse Ray Ernster. Yeah, Jesse he's, he's really good. He mixed the the heavy hitters. So I don't do the mixing, but I I work in Pro Tools. I got HD Ultimate. You know the the really good Pro Tools. Um, but the secret really is is the front end, and I have a lot of vintage Mike Pre's and um. Well, here once we're, again, we're, 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 we're going traveling again. So, so my my go to for guitar is this real live 1272 right that's the that's the best i love 1272s and i got a bunch of them but these two right here are just so incredible for guitar um above those by the way are some uh these are from a old ua board or universal yeah board the uh, an 1108 and these two are from sunset sound so these awesome. were from the board that recorded the first van halen album um yeah and so i've got i got a bunch of 1073s i've got some 351s this ampex um mm -hmm. 
This this is a 53 pull tech that we always put in front of the 57 on the on the uh, guitar amp. And that thing, I, sometimes I use EQ when I want to focus it a little bit. But a lot of times, even just leaving it out, just putting it in there, it warms, warms up. Right. Uh, I got a bunch of old uh, V72s, which are great for certain things, especially like um, because these are tube. I also have... Uh, Cole's 4038 mics that I use for overheads, and these on the 4038s is just magical for cymbals. Just I get some cymbals. great stuff. Mm. Yeah, and then a bunch of bunch more 1272s, and then I got a bunch of these APIs that um, I use for certain things. Really like those. Yeah, sometimes love those. Um, got an old old uh, LA2A down there. That's wonderful, wonderful amp. Uh, I mean uh, compressor limiter. Uh, and then I got a bunch of 1176s you see there. I love those. So you kind of have a good idea there of the mic mm -hmm. and the, the stuff. Absolutely. And what what were you uh, what were the mics you were using on the cabs? Uh, I, I use a, a 57 and a Royer 121. Yeah. Yep. Industry standard. Industry oh. standard. It used to be the 57 and the uh, 421. 421. Yeah. And I've done that too. Um, we've that's Bob Rock's story. The Royer just has this depth that no other mic has for me on guitar. I think if you only use one mic, what would you use? Uh, well, I mean, a Royer would certainly work as one mic. I, I like just Royer. When you use just one. use your Royer, especially in your cabinet, it sounds really good. Right, a 57 is just maybe added in just to get a little Christmas and a little more high end. But yeah. I know everybody uses a 57 kind of like the, as a their one go-to mic but I, I i'm not really so sold on that it's it's a bit i don't know a bit a bit harsh sometimes so I, I, would, I would probably take a 57 if i have one yeah i i, I can you, i've gotten great sound with just you, a 57 you, i mean you've got to place it right and you got to remember too like uh when you come when it comes time to mixing a lot of your low end that you've beefed up in the guitars and put in yep, with your rider and in there they literally lop it all off <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, so at that point, uh, you know. But that's why I like the blend of the, of the Royer in there because even though you shelve off all the, all the real low oh, end, a little stuff, warmth underneath the warmth that it carries throughout the full spectrum is mm -hmm. just—it's amazing. So, um, but I, I hear you, you know. And when guys, but get, then who's to argue? Van Halen, just fifty sevens. Yeah, but I've heard fifty eights too. Well, fifty-seven. The capsule for fifty-seven and fifty-eight are exactly the same. It's just the 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 um the screw top thing. The screw top thing. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a, a wider. But it causes it causes it to sound a little different because of the 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 sure. the, the cover that goes over the capsule. Fifty sevens are a little more focused. I think. Yeah, yeah. Fifty eights are a little wider. I know. Yeah. Um, Michael Landau so favorite like... favorite guitar mic is a fifty eight. Hmm. Do you ever tried that? No, we haven't. And done I've it. wanted to try that for like a ten years, just a and I've never just like gone to get, just go to oh, Guitar got, Center and buy I got, one. I got shitloads of. 58s. Oh, you did? Sure. Oh, I don't even have one. I mean, it's like just the standard vocal mic, right? Everybody has. That, that was the yeah the 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 original vocal mic that everyone used, and maybe right. should still use. <laughs> I went to Royer um, years ago, and the guy there. Uh, oops. Uh, they, so they, have book, they have a book. They have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, that's a nice. What's that? 
Is it's that R two R super fuzz? Oh, he uh, makes great stuff. Yeah, it's cool. Good. It's not too warm and not too not too. I've got something on, on order with him. Yeah, good yeah, stuff. It's awesome. Uh, but I, I, they have this uh, at, at Royer. They have this uh, uh, a, a book with all these Polaroids and pictures going back to the '60s and '70s of all these famous mic setups, and 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 invariably they they, they would not close mic. And a lot of times they would use the big diaphragm, large diaphragm, yeah, like Neumanns and stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. And like like Clapton would never allow his mic his cabinets to be close mic. Yeah, I mean ACDC was uh, at least some of the ACDC was recorded that way too, with with full uh, like Neumanns. Now, how far away are we talking about from the? Yeah, cab? You, you know, the thing you have to be really careful when you do. Yeah, that. not. Uh, a little bit away. I forgot the exact. There was a. I I forgot this back. How what the distance was a little bit, but like a few inches. No, 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 no a couple feet. feet. Oh, yeah, feet. I think a couple feet yeah. for Neumann. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I don't know, personally, I love the sound of a close mic. I, to me, is I just love. But that's that. not what your ears hear when you go in the room. No, but but that through. You know, I mean, when you put it into the studio, I, to me, that's just that's the in your face thing. Why don't they make a mic that's like a human head? That has microphones where the ears are. They do. They do. Yeah. Have they? Yeah. The the what's it called? The buy buy something head. It's actually a head, and it has my <laughs> head. That's something. I, no, it's <laughs> uh, no. I have done that too, though. But, that's yeah. right up there with blowing a few trains. <laughs> Again, for bone talk, not oh, talk. Oh, I can't get those mixed up. They're so similar. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's too funny oh man next question next question <laughs> rummy gives us the next question jeff how do you come up with bass lines that support a guitar solo rather than complete it that's assuming they support a guitar compete solo. with it um well i mean you know I, I, I always like to just stay on the groove so what you know the groove is number one then note selection you just want to find things that make it sound good <laughs> you know no no uh no magical formula there. I mean, it's, um, well, I mean, the, like the, we like to write sections for the solo that are different. Um, so generally we have that in mind, even when the rhythm is happening so that it won't compete with where the solo is going to be. And I just kind of try and fit the bass to make that work. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, we've never tried, but have talked about the bass doing what they did back in the day, like with Entwistle and Jack Bruce and actually not do exactly what we usually do. Right, right, just... right. Well, we have a we have a couple times, you know, it's where you're just going off. Yeah, we have done that a couple and times. You listen, the bass side is doing one thing with the drums, you listen to guitar, right? Doing right. And somehow it's just magical. Yeah, well, I love that when that happens. Um, we we don't do that very often. That's a live because, jam thing. Yeah, but we have we have done it, and I love it when we do. But um, most of the music that we have to come up with is not, you know. The other thing that. For, uh, that we talked about since since we got together back in the day was with the bass and guitar interaction was was having learning a lesson from those great three piece bands you know or, or four piece but you know what I mean the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the trios the, the who and, and, yeah, and cream seven, and all that stuff uh, where a lot of a lot of the times in those days the difference between bass players back then and now which guys like Jeff had carried have, have uh, made part of their sound is the um, having that kind of tube distortion yeah uh, or but in a different it. register than where the guitar is so it distorted. fills up 
for a three piece, it fills up that space sonically frequency wise where maybe a rhythm instrument would be, which drops which out. I, lo I love that when that happens. You know? yeah. I mean, it's so hard to find people to do that now. Like bass players don't do, bass players don't use tube amps. You know, they don't use, or they'll put something in front of it that gives it some fizzy gain, but it doesn't have this, you know? Yeah, yeah. Even like Deep Purple Days or something. Remember they yeah, used yeah. to have that, yeah, where yeah. they had the Edge, Ant Whistle, Jack Bruce, yeah. whatever. Mm -hmm. I want amps. I love that. Yeah. And when you hear that, when you play oh. It's awesome because it just sounds not full on a low end thing, but a full kind of in that low mid. Yeah, it adds the mid mid range, right? It's really cool. Yeah, I, I never, I'll never forget. It was a band I used to see uh, back when I was a kid in Detroit, and it was uh, two SVT cabinets, one high watt, one SVT. There you go. And there you go. And that's killer. It was just the, all the clank and distortion from the high watt, and and then you had the girth of the the old svt the, the and my god that sounded good yeah and One the thing note. is <laughs> watts aren't as gainy as marshall's so they're better for bass yeah you know? yeah they, they they distort in a different way and it's way way i love i i'm surprised i don't have a high watt but you I need a 200 watt high watt yeah well we were just talking That's about incredible for bass we we're just talking about glenn glenn hughes has a bunch glenn of them hughes but he is... never uses them Deep purple high watts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I would. That's something I would love to find. If you ever find that, Dave, let me know. <laughs> oh, I will. Like a seventy-one high watt. Yeah. What do those cost now? Well, I think uh, it's, it's not too horrible. A two hundred watt. I, I, you know, the two hundred watt might actually be a little cheaper. Really? Yeah. If we can find it, I don't know. I, I saw one for sale recently. I'll, I'll I'll look. Yeah, more for guitar for the late. 60s. Yeah, 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 yeah. You want seventies for bass. Here we go. There's a there's a 72 high watt, 200 watt bass, recently serviced on Reverb for four thousand dollars, thirty nine forty nine. Oh, what I figured it would be. Yeah, yeah. And is that a Reeves era amp? Seventy two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. That's before BioCrown or whatever it's called. Uh, yeah, that's before before that before uh, you know bad circuit boards and things like that. And what was so. that? What year did that happen? Uh, you know, I'm gonna have to look it up. You know, uh, I have a I, I have a high watt expert I can ask that one too. Okay, but I, I'm pretty sure 74s were still good. Yeah, early 70s. Point to point, they're all. As long as it's point to point and partridge transformers, you're good. Hmm. Yeah. Even sound even an uh, uh, early Sound, sound city. city would be a Dave Reed dam. Yeah. Don't you have an old Sound City? Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, you have a park. That's right. A very early one. They were, the very early mm -hmm. ones were pretty much like high watts. So, right. uh, yeah. Uh, but the later ones got a little weird. Yeah. They, where they kept cost cutting. And yeah. that's why yeah, they got, it got strange. Yeah. But Orange also, Orange made some incredible bass amps. Yes, they did. And, and they're right, right, different than a Marshall those. circuit. They're, they're, are they split cathode? Or? Uh, the Orange is a totally different amp. It's not, not like a Marshall at all. It's, mm. it's, it's, it's completely different architecture. But for bass, I think you would be. It would, yeah. No, any orange amp works well for bass. Even the one twenty. Orange cabinet. Uh, really? Oh, that's Never seen awesome that. looking. Wow. Oh my oh, god, that's cool. But I mean, you know, you know it weighs fucking three hundred pounds. And well, what are you going to do with it? And that you just put it in your studio and you keep it there. <sighs> you can also get a hundred fifty watt park. Also, that's mm. badass too. Mm. Mm. Didn't Fortis <laughs> have one of those? Uh, I don't know. That I don't know. Like, maybe. His favorite amps is 150 watt parks always seem to come up for some reason. Hmm. He may have just recently sold those, right? Yeah, I think he sold just about everything. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah. Well, and then he bought a 59 Les Paul. Uh, right. Oh, he put it all into one thing? Yeah. That's yeah, he, he consolidated a bunch of gear to get some more expensive gear. Wow. <laughs> Do you know what Paul he got? Uh, uh, fi- uh, some 59. I'm not sure exactly what one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was hunting for it, and then he told he, us. He found the one he wanted, and then he and then he decided to liquidate a bunch of gear. Like he said, he goes, he goes. Well, if I drop dead tomorrow, a whole bunch of gear. If my wife has to deal with selling it, is oh, not so good. Cool. And if I have a few choice pieces that are great, then he still has a lot of gear. <laughs> George and I would be willing to siphon through his stuff and make sure that the right stuff gets sold yeah. to the right people. We, we have a- <laughs> yeah. uh, pinch. You're good like that. Uh, pinch, yeah. pinch a few of them off top. But, uh, yeah, yeah, perhaps pinch, pinch amp procurement service. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, perhaps it's a mere business. It's a like blue perhaps ribbon business. Mere business. Mm. Mere. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure you will not be getting a phone call from him. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, he won't get any. He won't let you anywhere near his amps now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you have to be dead, and he's not dead, so forget it. Um, guitar yeah. rocks. This is for uh, Mr. Lynch, uh, my guitar hero. He says, uh, "How did you meet Warren D. Martini? And before ESP, were you approached by other companies? And why didn't you go with them?" That is a hilarious question because that's like, oh my god. I am such a huge fan. I am. You're my idol. I love you. Can you tell me more about? Did you ever? Did you ever meet Eddie Van Halen? What's <laughs> <laughs> he like? Uh, it is. <laughs> that's, that's funny but he loves you. Oh, that's good. So how did you meet Warren? How did I meet Warren? I don't know. We're both in the same bands. I mean, well, Warren. Now I tell Wasn't this, he in Dokken for a minute? Uh, yes, kind of? yes. See, I went to do Ozzy. Really? I took a leave of absence from Dokken. I thought I'd be maybe quitting if I got the Ozzy gig, which I didn't. So when I came back a month later with my tail between my legs and I went uh, crawling back to my band and they got all, eh, you know, we got somebody to replace you. They got Warren. But we used to practice in the same rehearsal place. So they Warren just would go, go next door. So then I got back and they asked me to be in Rat. And I was like... <laughs> when we met in the hallway and we're just going like, why don't we just go back to our normal regular bands? And we did that. That is hysterical. I've never heard that story before. Maybe no one has. (laughs) Maybe it didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) We met in the doorway. That's the answer to his question. That's so funny. And what about uh, any other companies approach you about endorsements besides ESP early on? Me? Um, Yeah, Yeah, you. Kramer? Oh, Kramer, yeah, yeah. Weren't you gonna do a guitar with Kramer or something for me? Was with Tooth and Nail, and I got an Aria Pro Two endorsement. The Arias, that's right. Oh, and we were so excited. Yeah, we both free gear. I mean, (laughs) you you hadn't played that, that, right? And Aria Pro Twos. I mean, come on. I mean, I mean, we've to this day, I'm still appreciative, but. We couldn't really find a place to use it to say it kindly on the record into our awesome Randall Solid State Amp. So <laughs> I had this Area Pro 2, but it did have this like Kramer uh, or Kaler whammy bar. And so we used it for one whammy note. <laughs> well, there you go. You used it. And that was it. <laughs> and then the 
acoustic. They gave us acoustic, and I used it on oh, Alone Again. No, that's yeah, that's the acoustic you used for a long time. Yeah. Alone Again, you that's uh, without warning. That's the acoustic on that. You know, that's that. And what else on that record? Is that the only acoustic? Did you use your bass? You didn't use it. Oh no, you did. I didn't use the bass on on the recording. No, I used. I I played. That's what I was playing a Jackson back then. Oh, that's pretty cool. It was a good bass. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Area got some good mileage out of that. I think because they didn't pay us. I mean, it was just you know. But I do have my eye on a future endorsement. Uh, there's these amps, uh, Fry Man or something like that. <laughs> oh, that's, that's almost like bone, a bone, bone, mer yeah. bone merchant Fry, fry man. man. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that person. <laughs> fry Man, that, no, hold on. You're 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 leery about Fry it, and but well, yeah, that's what, Fried Man. That was a play on, on uh, yeah, fry yeah. It. I, I got. Mm -hmm. We're kind of like the two-headed. <laughs> Think for each other. The two-headed. Don't yeah, you have at least a full brain between the two. I did see a question earlier on. What, what, when is there going to be a George Lynch uh, signature model? Of what? Of Friedman. Talk to your boy. Right? I, I, I don't understand this question. <laughs> I didn't ask it. Someone else wrote. Um, <laughs> Fortunately, Dave told me about um, the mechanics of the Friedman deal that uh, Jakey Lee and how that all People loved the amp and sold out instantly, and it was awesome for everybody. Everybody won, and I'm like, and he's telling me, and I'm like, okay, what am I, chopped liver? Friedman <laughs> amp. I don't know. You have to ask Friedman about that. It's called putting them on the spot. Boy, did you ever! <laughs> yeah. You should write a song called that, and and write it about that. Boy, did you ever! Did we write some 80 songs or what? You can use the again. Do you have a Kaler? Do you still have a Kaler? No. Probably on one guitar. No? No. I had the one with the two bars, one on either side, the little mini palm bar. Oh, wow. Got it because it looked cool. It was totally in the way and you couldn't rest your hand on the bridge. I was like, why would somebody put that there? But I just, you know, it's all about looks back then. I didn't buy anything because it was sounded good. I just bought it because it looked cool <laughs> or it was free. That was back then though. Now that we're, now that we've done tone talk, we, yeah. we do things with tone in mind. We learned a lot from watching yeah. the show. We watch it. Regularly. We learned a lot from listening back Together. to our records that we, when we hated the oh, sounds, God. you know, so <laughs> you know what we always strove for, was the sounds that we, I think we're getting now. Right. But it took us 40 fucking years to figure it out. Yeah. Let's gain tubes, duh. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, the whole signal path. I mean, but it just took forever to learn to play simpler. And, and But does it make you, how do you feel when you hear people covet your tone from back in the day? That's the thing. Uh, you know, we, we were trying to do something else. But people love what we did by accident, which we didn't really like. And then, uh, there, there, but there are things. There are times when the sounds are really good. Actually, yeah, you're being a little that. extreme on it, but yeah. I mean, Tooth and Nail is hard to listen to. Tooth and Nail is not a great fidelity record. It's a very narrow. But what a what a great vibe! But you know, yeah, yeah, it's all true. vibe. You know, if you listen right. to it on its own without comparing it to anything, it's fine. 
but relative to anything, you listen to that and put it next yeah, it's to pretty tiny. Yeah, yeah, it's just like holy well, shit. we should get the tapes and remix it. I was going to say, is there any way to to do a remaster on it or anything like that? Well, remastering wouldn't or do remixing much. Remixing or whatever. Yeah, but remixing it could be remixed to sound great. I I, I would love to remix Tooth and Nail and Back and uh, Under Lock and Key. I'd love you know, to. Remix you know, I had all too. those tapes. I would I would say the best guitar sound for me for George was Under Lock and Key. Yeah, that was a good guitar sound. Really good. Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, one thing that people fail to consider sometimes, I think, including myself, when you're talking about those old school tones, is that the one big, huge fucking difference that you're not going to fix is you're not going to two inch tape. Oh yeah. Right. 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 That's 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 long gone. Well, well Jeff, were you happy with your bass tones back then? Um, I, I was happy in the studio. Um. They were bass shy. They tended right? to be very bass shy on the mixes, um, which yeah. well, I was not crazy about. Um, and almost had to fight. Uh, but that was our managers also managed Metallica and Def Leppard. And this was and and if you ever listen to the Metallica and Justice for All record, there's no bass there at all. No so. bass. No bass. And I remember Jason, well, we were touring with them right when they were kind of mixing that. And I remember Jason was like so depressed because there was no bass. But that was the, our management was on this big thing about no, it's got to be really mid rangey, really mid rangey, and you know. But then they turn around and get Bob Rock a couple years later, and everything sounds amazing. Um, right. So to answer your question, in the studio, the bass tones were great, but they were just never mixed loud enough on the records for my taste. Right. 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 That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, we got a question here. Uh, more guitars. George, huge fan as I am of the show and all the guitar geekery. For the Celestian Lynchback, what voicing were you aiming for other than a higher wattage greenback? And why is it no more? I loved it. Yeah, what happened to it? Uh, I, I just, just lack of interest, I guess, you know. Ah. They sold, you know you, with something like a product like that, and I think this is true with more, most uh, you know, uh, products, like endorsement products associated with an artist. I mean, you're going to sell to that artist fan base, but it's not an unlimited fan base. So once you've saturated that market, I mean, who else are you going to resell to? Mm -hmm. it's not like it's this thing that's always out there, you know, with their demand is always going to be out there. You fill the demand pretty quickly and then just move on. That's why your model, you know, your limited run models. model you do, Friedman, with, with, with signature amps makes sense. You know, you do yeah. 300 and that's it. Well, right? that's a new model. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work with the older models. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of the signature amps that that we have had in the past don't sell at all anymore. I mean, zero, almost zero. Yeah, uh, you know, and uh, uh, and then there's some that just continue to sell. Huh. So, like which one? Jerry Cantrell. Jerry Cantrell's gonna uh, say, yeah, yeah. continuously sells. I think forever. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it just seems like it's a constant seller. Uh, uh, wow. It's a great sounding amp. I bet it is. So the hundred, the hundred is you're talking about the hundred. Uh, more so now the twenty. Right, but uh, the hundred right. is popular still too. Right behind me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. The, I mean, a lot of people just love twenty watt amps because they're sitting. I mean, a lot a lot of people are just playing for hobby, and they're sitting in their house, and they they just don't need a lot of power, and they don't need a lot. But they of, want the sound of a lot of. But power. they but they want the sound of that that thing, but at a low wattage and power mm -hmm. and level and occasionally yeah, they say those those are too loud too our speakers in the other room so we can't actually hear how loud they are <laughs> <laughs> perfect that's the beautiful part yeah 
And that's uh, why you have your own studio. <laughs> yes. Bobby is a question for Dave. Is there any plans to put out a Friedman Richard Fortas model based off his Mick Mark head? I don't know. I, let me tell you right now, as far as releasing anything, it's a problem. I mean, uh, the, the supply chain is so fucked up and you can't get parts and you can't get stuff. And you're just barely scraping by to produce the product you already have, let alone put out something new. Right. Um, so it might be a minute before we do anything else new like that. Or like a George Lynch model. <laughs> yeah, but the George Lynch model is just going to have crappy parts, so you can just get those anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can just endorse the 50-watt plexi that I'm going to make. <laughs> that seems like an amp you could use. Oh, wait a minute. Area Pro's calling. They want to find <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was a clause in the contract that they have the first right of refusal, and, and if we don't opt out, it automatically opts back in. Wow. For 40 like, years for another, later. How yeah, cool. It wow. starts on the 40-year mark, and smart, then the clock starts. Smart business thing. Yeah, so we're, yeah. we're locked into area. That's program. a serious contract. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got to get rid of all these P bases. We'll, we'll make them. An That's what they said in the text message. Sure. Yeah, yeah. They well. say they're going to see you in court or something like that. See you in court, my friend. Right. And All right. You got your new lawyer, right? Do we cheat him now? <laughs> you lawyered up. Yeah. Uh, approach notes for under lock and key. Oh, I remember you talking about this, George. Uh, Michael Wagner said George's four track was involved, that you use that as a preamp before hitting the amp. And was it yeah. used all over the sound of the mic no, up? I think it was on tooth and nail. It may have also been on tooth and nail, but that was just for some solo thing I did or something. So I'm doing some of the solos, but. When we did under lock and key, that was and Wagner did that, right? Mm -hmm. It was Wag, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and we were sitting. I remember sitting at the board, and we had I had so the You're, it was hidden under the board, right? I, you were I, saying what do we call what do we call our recording setup? Well, scrotum sound. Scrotum sound because it yeah. smelled like fucking balls in the fucking room. <laughs> We'd been there for four days without a shower, just fucking, <laughs> fucking just going at it, man. Yeah. Well, not not going at it. You know what I mean? Writing songs. Okay, so anyways, <laughs> anyway. So, let anyone anybody think something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, I mean, we're still going at it. That's what we've been doing all day today. And that's why it smells like that. Scrotum <laughs> that too. That's <sighs> <laughs> More like shaft. Than there, there's a song. Shaft. Got that scrotum yeah. smell. Taint tone. There you go. Tone taint. Tone taint. What were we talking about? Oh, so the extra. Well, we wrote songs. Our studio, when we wrote all those docking records, was a Fostex X15. X15. That's right. Religious. I mean, we loved that thing. It had a tape compression. It, it did a did. tape compression. It did. it did. It was awesome, awesome, awesome. And Jeff has been the engineer. He was always the engineer. And uh, that's what we started out on. And we would get great results with those things. Yeah, we did. I, I mean, we, if we heard it now, we... Yeah. I would love to hear it now. Fuck, could you imagine... But I mean, the processing we had—they're probably going for a lot of money now. Probably, I, I would love to get. I, it's on my list. I mean, I want to. I don't know what I'd do with it, but <laughs> but it was the it was the GE seven. It was the was the the Boss yeah. G seven EQ. Yep. Into the Echoplex. Into a Rockman. No, we didn't use the. Oh, we didn't use the Echoplex. Okay, no, into the Rockman. Yeah, into you're right. Rock. You're right. X one hundred. Uh, a pro or whatever yeah, in the that, rack. That thing, actually, that's the same one. Oh, we still got that's <laughs> the same one. That's the same one. 
<laughs> you didn't know that? Is there cocaine in it? We can write some 80s songs. <laughs> And we could take out all the bass out of the mix and have all high end. Oh, cool! Thank you. Who was bass? Be all guitar. But we we took that signal that signal chain, or what do you call it, and we plugged that in, side chained it to everything else we had. You know, all the amps with the sixteen microphones in the big room. But that was on another fader, and Wagner was against right. it, and he was like, oh, "Do we have to put that in there?" But he ended up loving it. <laughs> Because when you just tuck it in, it does a thing. It, it's like a glue that fills in all it's like the a gaps. Fizz. Hmm. It's sort of like the on the on the, what the hunter or whatever, right? When when you have that, um, it's on everything. That, where well, you that that you hear that the rock man thing mixed in with the Marshall. No, that's a, no. he's actually playing that. That okay. he's actually yeah. he, he right. overdubbed. That's that. an overdub clean thing that right. would yeah. probably did use Rockman clean. No, I think for that, I think that I think we were into the JC the one twenties by then. You know what else I used on that record for for a lot of clean sounds and other weird sounds and low bass sounds was the GR Roland uh, seven. Oh, you didn't seven, end seven. Up using much. Oh, I used it. Uh, I spent a really? couple of days tracking synth. I remember the, that, the, but the I don't think you ended up using that much. Of oh, it. Yeah, it did a thing. Really? We went through the whole record and just did little things here and there. And a oh, lot man, of bass oh, stuff. Little, little, little things like that. Yeah. Okay. A lot of bass stuff. Because I remember it was hard to track <laughs> because you had to anticipate all the notes. Right. The, and you had to like. Latency. Yeah, the latency. Major had to play latency. Way ahead of it. Yeah. Huh. Oh, that's but, difficult. But, yeah, we plugged that, our scrotum sound rig into a side chain kind of situation where it was up on the you know on the neve on its own thing and it got used that's super cool uh our friend michael torin how you doing buddy uh love the ampeg aeb1 hanging on the wall can Mm. you go through the guitars basses in the studio oh boy boy. all right so um so there's a mandolin you don't you don't care about that all right so number one let's start off with 63 T-Bird in incredible condition. And in a box, I have uh, a case. I have the case, which is pretty beat up. It's the original case and the original uh, pickup covers with the mute and everything, which I'd never even seen on a mm. T-Bird before. There, there's my daughter's, you know, that, that's her. That's what she gets to buy a house with someday. Uh, mm-hmm. 67 Hofner. Right. Wow. Um, Beautiful. Underneath the uh, lamp light there, that's a 68 Hagstrom 8-string. Oh, super cool. Yeah, love that. That's uh, just a 93 SG, no big deal. 10-string um, bass, Marvin, love that. 10-string, wow. Yeah, 10-string. Low B with octaves, all of it. It's amazing. Great bass, love that. What's the uh, body? That, can you see the body on it? That's, um, that's a 78. Les Paul, are you seeing these by the way? Because I can't see yeah. it. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, part of them, them, yeah, yeah, we can see them. All right, next to that, really magical guitar. That's uh, a '64 uh, Fender Electric 12, which is the same model uh, Jimmy Page used for Stairway to Heaven and stuff like that. Totally <laughs> the same. Great, 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 great 12. Best, best electric 12 string I've ever played. Uh, 82 Strat, nothing special. 65 335. That's a great. Awesome. We we use that a lot. We've used that a few times today already. Great guitar. Um, sixty four, one seventy five. Pretty cool. Mm. 
That's a great guitar. We don't use it very often, but we have used it a few times. Uh, that's that's a Dan Electro baritone. That was new probably 15 years ago or something. Uh, this is a Bedell acoustic that is wonderful. It's a smaller body guitar. Um, mm. So it's tight and punchy, really nice. And then next to that is, that's a 57 J200. Ooh, ooh nice. An amazing guitar. And you, and you double... The other side with with those two, you know doubling with those two acoustics is just the best. There's a nine. This is a '90s Guild twelve string, but it's just a magical one. Sounds amazing, just amazing twelve string. Yeah. This is a '58 P bass, uh, but it's a mock. It's it's one that um, you know who Danny Gatton was. Yeah, yeah. And Danny Gatton did a bunch of um, you know. Uh, refurbishing of instruments and stuff. He originally really? made this a five string and then didn't like it and returned it to being a four string. But when he did, he put, you know, because I guess his thing was to put diamonds as the fret markers. So what I ended up paying for this thing was way less than just the value of the diamonds in those markers. Oh, there's real wow. diamonds in there. That's amazing. Like, yeah. The, I, I bought the neck and body separately. Then I found real 58 pickups. So it's a mock 58, but it sounds so close to my real 58. Just a great, great, great bass. Next to that, that's a 63 Rosewood neck. Awesome, awesome P bass. Love that thing. Um, there's the AEB one. That's an original. That's a 66. That's one of the first hundred made. Gorgeous. That is very cool looking. A 59 P bass that I very rarely play, believe it or not, because I, I tend to use the 58s and the 63. Uh, but it's a really nice condition one. So I like to I use that occasionally for things with my fingers. It sounds really good when you play it with your fingers. 70s jazz, uh, 70 jazz. I mean, that's a that's a nice jazz bass. Really, really, really nice. Uh, move over here. This is a breed love fretless acoustic that is wonderful. Really wow. nice, nice. Uh, 59 Les Paul Jr. Ooh, um, yeah. there's there's my real 58 P bass right there. It's a I've had that since '86, played that on everything. That's nice that's, when you want a clanky, metally bass. That's the one, it's amazing. Next to that is a um, five string, uh, Fender five, relatively new, but really nice sounding five string. 67 Epiphone Rivoli, wonderful. It's real round and warm. I mean, you know, so I don't use it uh, on too many rock records, but it's it's cool, cool bass. Um, this is another Breedlove acoustic that I got in Nashville tuning that I always just leave lying around. Hmm. 58, um, 6120 Gretsch that I oh, ended up getting George ended up uh, playing it on one of the M Machine videos because it's just such a fucking cool guitar to look at. It is cool. And it actually sounds really good for certain things. But, you know, of course, the 6120 you don't use on everything. And then next to that is a 53 that I'm not going to take out because I'm going to bash it into things. But that's a 53 295. That's a cool. nice guitar. Very cool. And um, my 55 Paul that has 59 PAFs is under those cases. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I only have one hand, so I can't really move everything. But that's that's a real special guitar. My Tony Franklin fretless P bass that he 
helped me get. Wonderful. Cool. And then a 69 EB3 that was used by Pops Chambers of the Chambers Brothers on the song Time. Huh. And uh, let's see, uh, this is just a 90s you know, reissue 360 12-string, no, nothing too special. Uh, that's a 73 Rickenbacker, though. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. Cool. Cool. yeah. Uh, and then over here, I've got... Uh, this is a 66 4005. Really nice bass. Really cool. You know, it's only good for certain things, but it's really great. And then I have an acoustic bass over there and a sitar. So... That's that. Those are the main axes. I have other ones, but they're put away. Those are the ones we use the most. That's a great collection. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. So essentially, you never leave your studio. I try not to. <laughs> it's to get me out of here. The only thing I didn't really see was a telly. What's that? I didn't really oh. see any. Oh, you, do you have a telly? There's the telly. Right over ah, there. there we go. There it is. There you go. Three telly, yeah. Love that. Actually, we've been using that a lot too. Yeah, when you lay down like the Paul tracks, and, and, and yeah. then you put the telly, and then over. you double it with the telly. But this is another thing we got recently. The grabbed it on the road. I still got the tag on it, and just you know look for cheap little cool little things, right? But oh yeah, Melly Maker, right? Yeah, but sixty-five unmolested, unbroken, you know, all this and that. But, I mean, it's, you know, Brazilian board, old mahogany, Kalamazoo, 60 years old, where the hell it is, you know. Where did you find that? Back east somewhere on the road. We're always, you know, we're always doing tone questing when we're out there. I mean, right. You know. But, you know, I got it for like a thousand bucks. Oh, that's a great deal. Okay. The Lawler, and he makes a P90, Four melody pickguard and it just drops right in there. Yeah. There's three different pickguard configurations on these apparently, and so you got to determine which which where the holes are. You know, you measure, and he sends it to you. And the P90 sounds fantastic, better than really some a lot of the old P90s we were talking about yeah. earlier. Yeah, we both have juniors. Yeah, that way, a 58 or 59, you got one too. Yep, this beats it like crazy. Beats it. It's the neck is like you that's don't a great stop. guitar. You I don't want to stop. <laughs> yeah, we're using it a lot. <laughs> and it's nice, low in weight because it's not very thick. <laughs> you know, I got literally less than $1,200 into this thing, and you've got yeah. a classic Gibson, you know, yeah, guitar that's fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. That's beautiful. You can't beat that. Put it through a Friedman amp, and then you're really set. That's right. You got to use a vintage Friedman amp, though. <laughs> a vintage Friedman amp. Okay. It's the early oh, one. That would be the naked behind you. <laughs> I, like sure. the, I like the Friedmans from the 60s and the 70s. So early 70s. <laughs> yeah. Those are great. They're hard to find, though. They really are. <laughs> when you find one, let us know. I will. <laughs> Too funny. Uh, Patrick Miller. I've never loved Floyd Rose Bridges. You know, uh, it's like a love-hate thing for me. Uh, I usually don't go crazy with the bar, but I do use it. What would be the next best non-locking option? Whatever Jeff Beck uses. Jeff Beck can use anything and just be amazing. Yeah, but, but that, that He doesn't even have to tune his guitar. He just pulls the strings in tune as he's playing it. I'm not joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say I'd say the Paul Reed Smith system's. Uh, it is. Good. 
Yeah, that's pretty good. Or, or go to a uh, go to five ten bridge, a, a a dual post strat bridge that that you know a lot of sur guitars have and and different things. That's a good bridge too. Nothing's going to stay in tune as well though as a Floyd. No matter what, you're still going to have some tuning issues. Depending on how crazy you go. A, have you ever played a, a used an original Floyd? <laughs> Brad Gill style, right? Uh, gave Brad too that I, I was collecting him for a while, and then I was sort of like, I was like, I don't know why. What am I going to do with these? You ever try use it? I mean, you they don't have any fine tuners. Well, you know, well, for, well first of all, first of all, that would drive me insane. He's got it's a pain in the ass. ass. The first two, oh the first God, two floors. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Who has them? Randy Hansen, the uh, the guy that does Jimi Hendrix out of mm -hmm. Seattle. Oh wow. Band. I used to be in a Same band with him. Legend. You were in a band with him, weren't you? I was. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Still good friends. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. He's got the very first two Floyd Roses because Floyd Rose was his sound man. <laughs> wow. I forget one of the other guitar checker sound man. Something. There's a you good one. Bizarre, you know, Bizarre Guitars in Reno? I mm. know the name. So that the guy that owns that also played in a band with Floyd Rose, which means he may have played with Randy. I don't know. No. But he has the prototype, <laughs> which is crazy, freaking all machine brass, mm -hmm. yeah. that, you yeah. know, gigantic. Um, yeah. And I mean, virtually unusable. I mean, you have to lock them down and then they go sharp. Yeah. So you have to compensate and do that for every string. I mean, it yeah, breaks yeah. your fucked. I mean, it. But I mean, I, I don't even I don't even know how uh, Brad has used it all these years. I, I I don't. First of all, the the if you don't have it set up just perfectly, when you lock it down, then the string goes sharp, and then he's got it down to a science. Probably. I, I mean, he, obviously, uh, you know, he always sounds very in tune. So yeah, I I don't he even know how be his guitar tech. Yeah, right. I would. Yeah. No one. No one wants to be that. Probably a yeah. Um. And 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 the thing is, he doesn't treat that thing nicely. You know what I mean? He's it's right about as it. extreme yeah, as you can possibly get with right. a tremolo and and manhandling a guitar. I mean, like, he's like he's not like treating this nicely here, and it's mm -hmm. still he manages Brad to keep Gillis it in tune. Taking Brad Gillis's Floyd away from him would be like taking away Kirk Hammett's Wawa Wow, Wawa, yeah, yeah, true, absolutely. He, he relies on that. That's right. Well, I mean, because you sneezed on me and this is COVID. It's you know? just Omicron. It's not freaking Delta. <laughs> Omicron. Not Omicron. You know? Yeah, but no one, want, no one wants to be held up in a hotel for a week. Yeah, well, we, I already have. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we, got, we got the old school, like when men were men. Yeah, because I had to go for 10 days. It yeah, was not this, just this, this yes, you and Bruce. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Back in our day whatever. when we had the Delta, we were yeah. not, like, none of this five days shit. Yeah, exactly. Man, <laughs> played on ten. Guitar Rock says that if uh, if George sells his Plexi, he calls dibs. Which one? Eight hundred watt is the is the one. Well, you got some fifties that are great too. Oh, they're amazing. Yeah, and the Park, and the park. yeah, so. You know, 
after that, it's like I, I'm almost getting to the point where Jeff and I talked about this. It's just like, okay, we have all this stuff. How much of it do you actually use? True. How often? You know, a couple amps. Ten percent of it, right? As far as a lot, yeah, yeah. Like, like, would yeah. your life change significantly, or music change significantly if you got rid of eighty-five percent of the stuff that you no. that collects back? Same for me, probably same for a lot of people. Yeah, of course. So what about this kind of like this idea of like, when did it become a thing that you have to own all these guitars? That, that was never a thing when we were growing up. You had right. one guitar, right? Maybe you had two. That would be crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just was. Well, wasn't I mean, even a you, thought. you even go back to like the Beatles in the sixties. They had plenty of money, but they only had a few guitars. Right. And, I mean, as they went on, they started right. getting more and more and more and more. Sure. Right, right. Yeah. You know, most and, people. And everybody started. that you can cite from that era is probably the same kind of well, story. They had when we did Tooth and Nail, I don't. I only had the Jackson. I had a Charvel. And then did I have any of my? I don't think I had any of my vintage shit at that point. I mean, I, well, I had a, a Tiber. I still had the old Tiber. But yeah, I mean, so, we only had so a few. We had a few. We were we had a pro, few, but world touring, uh, you know, platinum record selling rock act, and we had a few instruments. Each. Right, and, right. And when did it become a thing? And why did it become a thing? Is that the well, because the guitar, it's cool? Guitar it's industry fun. thing. To, it's fun. You know, it, it makes it makes it interesting. Diamonds. You have to set. You have to prove that your love. You have to spend a quarter of your annual salary on a diamond, um, so that you look so that you're proving that you you're that's what they say so is it the same with the guitar industry is like you know if you you have to have six guitars who says if you you really love it no i mean no you don't you don't no you don't need it yeah you need a paul you need a strap okay so you you realize that we just had it took a tour of this entire place and showed (laughs) it's wallpaper yeah have you seen have you seen like Rick Nielsen's video? There's a there's a video of like his collection recently oh by God. Gibson. Uh amazing incredible collection. I mean, like just rows of guitars. Like I, I, I couldn't even believe the collection of guitar. I was like He's also the first guy in America to have a Mellotron. But oh, and by the way, I have a Mellotron too. Ah, uh, that's cool. Oh wow, that is cool. Yeah. You don't see that often. Yeah, yeah. We have a George's apple on it. Nice. Um, yeah. Maybe put a little magic tone on them. So. Um, but yeah, he he he's he's got so many instruments. It's crazy. Crazy collection. I was blown away. Uh, we got another question by Ray Suey. I uh, love you guys. My first concert was Dokken opening for Loverboy on the Under Lock and Key record. You guys sounded awesome. What were the live rigs that you both uh, for for both of you then? Thanks, Mark and Dave, for Tone Talk. Do you remember your live rigs for Under Lock and Key? Yeah, I I know. I was. I think I was. Uh, oh, I still use the Ripley basses, so I was using Ripley basses. But I was in SVTs by then. I started using SVTs in '85. DSPs and, and uh, metal marshals. Yeah, you would have had marshals by then. But I also, I had some. Uh, what are the AOR? Who made AOR heads? Laney. Yeah, I had some of those. I was going with those for a while, and I had those in the studio with, and I might have been using them on under lock and key, like maybe just one and a marshal or two marshals. Yeah, for double that was in or something. I don't think you had it live. Didn't you have some Frank Levi modded marshals too at one point? Yeah. yeah. Caswell. Caswell. Mm. One amp that I had a an amp from SIR that I rented 
that Slash ended up recording, renting, which was the appetite, appetite for destruction, or whatever it's called. And then, yeah, where is that amp? You know, and I remember, no knows, to buy it. I wanted to buy it. It was so amazing. I was just yeah, like, yeah. I want to buy. I you know, and they wouldn't sell it. Well, didn't you also rent a lot that Purple Marshall of Aspen yeah, Pittman's? Right, Aspen Pittman's. Yes, he did. Right. Oh boy, I he made that. so much money off that because he rented it to me, and I had it. I, I I loved it so much. I took it on the road and rented it from him. Yeah, yeah. And he, you know, he didn't give me a break. It was like, yeah, yeah, a daily charge for years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> ten times over. Yeah. And then, be, because I used it on all these records, it became a thing, and so he put it in his book. <laughs> So it's got mm -hmm. a full page and it's good. This is the amp that I loaned my friend George. Well, no, he rented it to me for like $35,000. <laughs> and then it became incredibly valuable. And then when he sold his collection to Guitar Center, you know, historic, mm -hmm. they, they started their whole yeah. thing with that, with his collection, you know, all the oh, really? Yeah. And that was one of the key pieces. And I'm sure he got a couple bucks for it. Can you imagine what that would go for now? Oh, I'd love to hear that. Uh, I wonder if it sounds as good yeah, as we remember you know, it. I, I ran, I ran into one of my old docking amps. Uh, well, it's Soldano. Didn't you have the Soldano? Well, I had, yeah, that, no, that was great. That was Lynchmont. But the, no, uh, there was a guy, the guy up in the Hollywood Hills, guy got some dough, and he had this. He has this insane amp collection. I mean, just flight cases as far as your eye can see of like famous bands, rigs he would buy. <laughs> Like wow. Black Sabbath and Queen and ZZ Top and what? And he had he goes wow. oh, I got he goes I got a couple of your amps. I'm like what? And I plugged <laughs> into them and they sucked. Huh. <laughs> they were horrible. Fifty watt metals and it was just like, you want them back? I go no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from an investment standpoint, I probably should have. But well, maybe they just needed to be serviced. Yeah. Here, here, here's here's the thing about old game, Marshalls. Game. Here's the thing about old Marshalls. If they have the right bones in them, you can make them sound right. They might have been changed over the years. They might have been dicked with. They might be in disrepair. They might all this. But if it has the right transformers and stuff in it and, and basically the right parts, you can you can make them sound right. It, it, there, there's not too much magic. Once you figure out what the recipe is that you're liking, right? You know right. It, that you can you can you can morph and fix anything that doesn't sound great. You know what we both don't have, which I just realized. I don't know why it took me this long to realize that we both don't have early '70s metals. No, and that was no, but but that's what Luis talks about. Yeah. yeah. Oh, his guitar player is a huge fan of the '72 '72 Super Bass. Yep. Okay, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah, because it's it, well, you know, he loves you know humble pie and all that kind of stuff. Dude, I just played through one. I was down in uh, Mission Viejo. I was selling a guy an amp, and I was down there, and uh, the the amp that you just uh, replaced the power tube on. Dave, yeah, um, this guy has an incredible old Marshall collection, um, and he has a whole just a room. Of just super bases. Wow. And he has a 67, which I put up against my 68. Mm. He brought it up to my house, mm -hmm. A beat him, and it was right there. It was incredible. I had a little more of the low end, like you want, mm -hmm. a little, little warmer. Mm -hmm. It was just, I wanted it. He goes, I'll never sell. I goes, I'll never sell. Well, why did you fucking Why'd you bring it? Do it? <laughs> <laughs> 
You're teasing me. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I mean the super bass is a lot more low end, like 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 a JTM forty five does or something. You might with a super bass turn the bass off with super lead, you turn it up. You know, he uh, did. He, he may have been converted to a super lead. Maybe. And, and you know, well, like I said, once you figure out the recipe that it is that you like, all these marshals are like convertible to what you like. You know, yeah. like you can you can tune them. You know, or I can at least. You can tune them into being what you need them to be. What a, this is another thing we don't have, and that we haven't messed with, which we both want to mess with. I'm sure is the pre '68 plexi thing. So the whole oh yeah the, yeah the, 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 you know with a tube rectifier, the 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 KT88s or 66s or 77s mm. or whatever the yeah. J45s, you know 65, 66, or six, whatever, all that stuff. Yeah, JTM forty five is cool. It's just going to be a lot more like a basement. It's more bass heavy. That's like the Dirty Shirley. People have told well, me that they, they go, "You wouldn't like it. It doesn't have enough gain." But I think I would. Well, it has enough gain, but it's it it has basically the same gain, maybe just a touch less. But it's got a much fuller sound. Mm. So some people would tend to think it's loose, you know, if you're going for a tight rock sound. Uh, mm. But if you're going for like semi broken up say like uh you know acdc broken up and just a big fat you know classic humble pie things it's gonna be really cool you know especially with like say a junior or something mm. it's gonna be super cool i just okay so uh last week you were playing through my 66 18 watt yeah 212 18 watt i i cool that on instagram and i got a ton of people just loving the tone you know and yeah like regretted like why did i sell that um that's basically what we're talking about right that's like that's a jtm well no no that's an 18 watt circuit that's that's like yeah. a, a 18 watt marshall circuit essentially um uh, that, that's that, way different actually but it, it's not it wasn't gutless um I'm trying to. Uh, I was Actually, just get a really good JTM 45. Here. Uh. Yeah, I don't know how well you're going to hear it. Not to hear it. Did you say what was what, what happened with the amp? Uh, just one of the uh, one of the power tubes was dead. It was just. Oh, it was actually dead. Yeah, it was just dead. No, and then, no, you no. clean up the, the, the. And then I cleaned all the sockets because they're all over. Wow. Dave that, watching Dave. Yeah, infinite. Uh, Dave watching Dave with George <laughs> Lynch holding it up. Yeah, great. Sounded <laughs> <laughs> great though. But that's not a. That's not what, what year is that? What year is the uh, the eight the, the eighteen watt? Sixty six. Sixty six. Yeah. Sweet. That was a cool sounding one. That was one of the better sounding ones. <laughs> it's okay. You got enough money for it. Yeah, but I need to I need to get a super bass, and I need to get a metal a metal super bass. And it sounds like a JTM forty five too. I don't know. That might be very similar to your your uh, Laney super group in in some respects. Mm. I love that. Well, there you no, you're right. That that is what that's the super bass. Nah, I mean, called. it's a little different, but it it's in not some respects it might be definitely this more this. Yeah. yeah, I should bring that down sometime. That's yeah, a, that's a different animal. Yeah. Very 70s. Actually, I want to try the park one of these days. Oh. You should bring that on Monday. That's oh. a good one. Yeah. 
bring that on Monday. Yeah, that's more martially. The, the, the Laney is a different it's okay. thing. Yeah. But I mean, like for a double with something different, mm, you know? Mm, mm, mm. That sounds yeah. like a plan. Yeah, we <laughs> more marshals. That's right. Yeah. Or 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 freedoms. Or nakeds. Yeah. You can never have too many nakeds. Never. Time never. to get it's time to get naked. <laughs> it's time to get naked. More naked. <laughs> Again, that's our marketing company. We have pinch marketing. We come up with with slogans for your company. Well, I, I'm thinking there should be a naked twin sister. Uh, well, yeah, that's what I was thinking. But if, you, if if Jeff were to get a twin sister, he could put it with the naked. So then it would kind of be a naked twin sister, right? Naked twin sister, naked twin sister, Marsha. My naked twin sister, Marsha. The slogan to be: You want to Marsha's naked with her twin sister. We have to. We charge you separately for different ad campaigns. Regions. Yeah. I see. Where do we send the invoices to? I don't even know. Well, uh, we, can, we can get a retainer. Uh, it's a Mark at Tone Talk. But it's worth it. You'll see your sales. Like your sales are like this right now. And then it's just going to be. Uh, what's our phrase again? It was really cool. Uh, you can always get more naked. Yeah, it time to get naked or something. Yeah, time to get more naked. Boof, bam, sales like this, and then you stop using it, and then sales back down, like even worse than before. Yeah. And then you call up George and Jeff, pinch marketing slogans, and like bam. like like. Remember, as soon as we introduced things go better with Coca Cola, boom, dude, that was one of our first accounts. I know, I know. We didn't even charge Huge. them that much. It was like three hundred bucks. Wow. Well, I mean, they said they maybe, said, maybe you should start a marketing firm, guys. <laughs> That's why we did it because we were into Coke. Yeah, <laughs> we did, uh, yeah, we did. But hey, you know, uh, oh my god, it didn't go better with no, the Coke we used. By the way, it started out good. <laughs> Fucking lion sack of shit, Coke. Yeah, <laughs> they they didn't live up to their name. Uh, yeah. Is that a grit? Came by that we ignored. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Uh, any Freeman Demartini updates? Asking for a friend. No. No updates. No nothing. There's nothing set in stone anywhere. So. <laughs> well, you got warned to actually do something. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Taylor three one five. Outstanding show tonight, guys. George, is it true that you showed Rhodes how to play the solo in Flying High again? I had someone the other time that was true. I know you on our show. You told us that, that you showed him a lick or something at lunch, and then he went. Well, and you see the the, the, the movie happening, right? Guy that was when he was in high school. He was in the football team, and he missed the catch for the big touchdown, and he never learned to live it down. Like he's fifties, he's still reliving that moment of shame. That's <laughs> how it is for the for, for, for the lick. Yeah. Well, we were doing a show uh, with the. Uh, Quiet Riot back in the whenever it was, and uh, some club and wherever it was. Anyways, <laughs> one movie with that one guy, and then uh, 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 yeah, and he was and he was like, and I was playing, I was warming up, and we were sharing a dressing room, and he was like, he caught he caught that, and he was I was doing that thing, which is the you know four, what was it four seven tap twelve, and then down a string and and up a fret. Um, Super, super dumb. Right. Right. Then you close it in. And then go up. Close it in. Open it up. Whatever. Silly. But anyways, I showed him that. And he's like, oh, my God. And it made me show it to him like 
15 fucking times and he got it he got it and then you know a year later it comes out on a record and i'm like god damn it <laughs> <laughs> where's my point <laughs> that was one of the early marketing things that you guys yeah yeah, yeah. see that was yeah we didn't give him we didn't give him a slogan though thank god you know oh for randy Rhodes. yeah 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 um but then no but uh, infinite mirrors i went and did a uh got hired to do a compilation record and got to play me covering him playing the solo i showed him <laughs> awesome randy should have made dog collars because then he'd be a Rhodes collar oh that's bad I'm like wine tonight <laughs> i actually like that that's actually really funny actually one of our companies it's a what is it called? what's that company? Uh, industries. We have a, a industry we have a lot of different no no it's companies. it's uh pinch and uh pinch amp uh procurement services that was that was the one well, oh, yeah. <laughs> paps is a mere business of ours paps yeah. mere business yeah of it's ours. an s corporation so yeah, it's yeah. S- <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also have another service where a lot a lot of people don't know this but it just came out with the same the amp scientists just reported it on cnn but uh, a lot of the old amps have all that uh, uh what's that shit that gives you mesothelioma and and I bought a lot of them because people tell me, oh, this is the asbestos amp you're ever going to hear. And then, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> wow. pinch, pinch, is, pinch amp pinch, procurement pinch, services. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a hazmat thing. We are you talking about the the service that we have for the the names? I lose okay. track. We have so many companies. I know. Too. I know. Well, that's what big businessmen We're do. Titans. Shell companies, they call them. You yeah, know. Yeah. Well, yeah. We also have a company that sells shells, but oh, but we also keep the money there too. Oh, so it's a oh, shell it's a company. Shell company. Shell company. It's a shell company. Shell company. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm dying. That's fucking. Yeah, but if you have one of these old amps that'll kill you, we'll come up in a hazmat suit and just fucking Pino or Vega, whatever he drives now, and we'll. We, we we grab it and we usually charge you like what we normally charge two hundred fifty bucks, but for, for you guys because yeah. we're friends and shit. Um, two forty, no, like yeah. seventy five. Really? No, well, we'll, it's we'll, we'll lose money. It's a big break. It's a big break. Yeah, that's true. You got a point. We'll, we'll discuss yeah. it on the way down there. But <laughs> I'll take all your hazmat amps and so you won't die. Full of- Whatever that thing is, it killed asbestos. Asbestos, asbestos amp you'll ever try. You'll ever hear, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stretch, stretch. After this show, problem. George's amp repair oh, invoices have gone up. <laughs> so, what's the custom color on the fried Lynch man head and cabinet? He wants seafoam, seafoam green. You done purple already? That's on the Jeff Pilsen model. Uh, we've done some custom purple amps, but no, no purple. Purple because my 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 Marshall from the all those days was that with the purple. Yes, that's right. That would just fit, wouldn't it? And you love purple, Jeff. I I, I noticed do. that. Yeah. I am. That is my favorite color. No question. Whenever we do photo shoots and we'd have costumes or wait, more costumes, those are outfits. Costumes. No. <laughs> costumes makes it sound like we had. Well, outfits. maybe some of them were costumes. No, that would never happen. <laughs> we had real. 
Remember, I was always, oh, you ever talk to Don? No, to, 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 he'll say, you know, I was always against that. And, uh, you know, I was really into it. I just think we should just be leather and denim and, and, and jeans. You mean like what Cliff Bernstein actually did say? He actually, Cliff did say that. But yeah, yeah but uh, back then, I think we all had our amped, our outfits made by the same guy. And they yeah. all were Judas Priest and Motley Crue and Rat and us and this guy and that guy. We all had yeah. the same. There was, there was, there was a look. Yeah. Now it's uh, you can buy you can buy that stuff from. Oh, yeah. that, there you go. That was pre the guy though. That's that was before. The we guy. weren't too bad right there actually. That was. Uh... Yeah, yeah. It was the next year. Yeah, it was we, the next level. Yeah. That we went glam. <laughs> you know, you could bring back the two tone hair and uh, just do like a gray on top and like dyed the bottom like dark. You know, you know when the old guys are just trying too hard to be hip with the kids. You don't want to be that guy. You know, Sixty-seven with a freaking purple haircut. Now we're two-tone hair with because we're graying. I got two-tone <laughs> hair, believe me. I mean, the, the, the carpets ain't matching the drapes. If you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm gonna go. All right, question now. Um, George and Jeff at the same time. George, I started playing because of your "In My Dream" solo. Can you go into how you came up with the solo back then? And also into the creation of the greatest of all time, Mr. Scary. How'd you come up with the, the solo and also Mr. Scary? Well, I don't know about in my dreams, but the the uh, Mr. Scary, we were intended to be uh, have, have vocals. We had Don, Don was going to sing it. We, I don't we, think we did, so. We did not intend it to be. We didn't. Well, write it I, at first role. we didn't. You're right. You're right. But 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 before we brought it to the band, we knew it was going to be an instrumental. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Okay. So this yeah. this if. If he means a solo, that's different than because the the actual lines you we came up with. That's a song. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. on the four track we did that. Yeah, he was talking about in my dream solo, actually. I don't know. I mean, you just sit around okay. like any solo. I, do. I sit around and I come up with something like we do here. Yeah, yeah. It's all nothing. The only solo I ever did in my life that was was thought out before tooth and nail was tooth and nail. Yeah, and we did it at my house on yep. the four track, and yep. we made all the parts and the pieces, yep. and I walked in, and that's. I should probably do more of that because that was like the only good solo. I, well, the best solo was You're kind of known for that solo. So, yeah, it wasn't yeah, a bad idea. Probably should. Yeah. Maybe on this record, we should probably think about things a little bit before. Did you say we? Split the money so you could help out a little bit. So <laughs> me doing everything. I mean, this guy, I mean, you know, I all he does is the the, the songwriting, half the songwriting, uh, the all the engineering. Uh, he provides the studio. Uh, he plays the bass. He does even play some guitar, acoustic guitars. I'm a sloppy acoustic guitar player. He sings. Uh, he writes lyrics. Uh, he also plays bass on the side. And then uh, he does mixing, and then he does all the, uh, you know, and and that's all he does. And then I have to play guitar. <laughs> and he wants half the money. It sounds, it sounds it's totally unfair. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I have, it's for my shell company. <laughs> what about uh, the drum track? The sell shells? What did you think I meant? A lot of people get mad at Trump and other rich people because of their shell companies, and they're actually say sell shelves. Yeah, yeah. They all think, oh, it's like a tax dodge or something. No, no, no. They're just like they like the beach, puka beads, you know, and stuff. I forget what the question I just asked. Um, uh, yeah, you I remember ask, it was a cool question. Yeah, it was a good question. Um, uh, what was it? Well, we were talking about Mr. Scary, and we were talking about solos, and we only have one premeditated solo, and then we got shell company. back on shells. 
Yeah. Um, it always goes back to shells, everything. When you think you know, oh, you know what? You asked about drum tracks. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, for like your basic drum tracks, are you just doing uh, programming the drums? for? Well, we write, yes. But but we're going to get Brian Tishy to play on this thing, uh, as he did on the last record. And actually, Brian has a setup at his house that's pretty cool. And I'll probably go over there and sit with him. And Isn't he up in Santa Clarita? Yeah, yeah. We're all three of us. Should we do singers or no? Um, leave it as a surprise. Okay. Uh, we got another question. Uh, guys, love the show. Thanks. What's his face for the uh. Super chat, Dave. Can the Fry at PS100 be used to power two Synergy Sin 2s? Best method to switch all channels. <laughs> now you're bored. Uh, yeah, sure. It can be used to power two Synergy Sin 2s. Sure. You just, uh, I mean, best method to switch MIDI. You can hook the two Sin 2s up together into the power amp and you're done. Email me if you need more detailed uh, information. That is so funny, George. Get back to shells. I mean, seriously. You already, Jesus. Jeez. Here we go. Here's a question for George. Uh, Night Legion Ben. Hey, George. Stu from Australia here. Can you speak to the PRS you used in the early '90s during Lynch Mob? Do you remember the model and specs? Um, they, uh, the guy from. Well, I guess his name is. Paul Reed. Paul Reed. <laughs> That's why they called it. Oh, wow. 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 It's pretty clever. What's the name man. of the guitars? Um, Who's on first? Uh, Paul Reed Smith. <laughs> it's weird. Why don't they just use his initials? That's such a long name. PRS. Great idea. My wife See, has wait that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. My wife P has that. <laughs> <laughs> You get a PRS. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, what were we talking about? The guitar you used in the Lynch Mob. Oh, the that PRS. blue one was that amazing. PMS that you used. <laughs> uh, well, so I was menstruating, and I, oh. anyways, so yeah, it's it was amazing. It had the sweet switch. I remember it had the deep dish. Two pickups, deep dish. Is that what they were called? Or dragon? Or oh, the I dragon sure. pickups, maybe. Anyways. That guitar was just a natural, and I got in a lot of trouble when I started using it because I couldn't put it down, so I used it a lot, and uh, ESP dropped me for a year to basically spank me. You know, you. I learned my lesson. Really? Wow. Back to, send it back to Paul. He also sent me the another one I used I didn't like as much, but it was amazing. It was the first one he ever built. It was the first PRS. It was the, the gold one. It was on the cover of Guitar player magazine super famous oh, oh, oh one kind of thing i didn't like it as much it was still you know pretty great but anyway yeah, so that could... first one was great uh rummy has a question george your solo on lock and key had amazing reverb that made your line shine did michael wagner craft that vibe or did you push yeah. for it yeah well you always you've always loved digital reverb on yeah you know that's legacy digital stuff you know that that uh, that would have been that would have been lexicon. probably yeah, probably Alexa's big plate deal and all that. 480 XL. Yeah, the 480. Mm -hmm. 480. I mean, we would also throw other stuff in there too, but you know, uh, yeah. uh, we did the we we used to do this even on our demos. We do the uh, the uh, 99101 harmonizer thing, which and we also had a PCM 70, which was a great sounding reverb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And then you, and you, the Lexicon PCM 41, you use that yeah, a lot. Yeah, delay. Too. Yeah. I like the 42 better. Warren had the 42. A lot of guys use 42. 42 sounded richer. I don't know. I didn't, I never ended up getting one, but the, 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 the mainframe Lexicon was just unbelievable. I mean, it would just warm everything up. Lexicon just has a proprietary kind of sound, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, it's warm and it's got that low mid kind of just friendly thing that just it it doesn't bury it make it go away or make it shimmery a lot of reverbs now yeah. uh, especially pedal if you buy any kind of pedal reverb or they're just uh very metallic sounding and, yeah and just uh, yeah. obnoxious and and i just like nothing sounds like a lexicon i don't know did lexicon ever make a pedal no the closest thing were the hardwire uh reverbs oh. That's right. uh, the and, and the uh, also then, but they the, weren't the same. They weren't the same. I'll tell you the lexicon. It, it had it had the electric lexicon algorithms in it. The lexicon plugin is a nice reverb, man. That's mm. what we use on your thing. You know so the prime. Your stuff was that like the prime time two? They have all those kind of like that. They they have settings like that in there. Yeah, really oh, nice. God, it's it's there there. It's a warmer reverb than a lot of plugin reverbs. Mm. So. And then and then the question is. You know, for me, sometimes I was like, 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 am I missing that live? Of course, live you get natural reverb depending right. where you're playing. Right. Right. But like, yeah. just playing clubs, you know, um, or it's a dry venue. I mean, it'd be nice to have that maybe, but but, I never but the thing is, good. once you do have delay live, yeah, and and when you have delay live, you can't. It's really hard to mix delay and reverb live oh, for a recorded guitar. It's, it's it is true. Yeah, it just it it becomes. There's no present signal. You know what I think guy. it works is in a clinic atmosphere. Well, sure. When you're, yeah. it, you're when yeah. it's only you. When it's yeah. only you. Yeah. 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 That's true. So just never tour with any musicians, and you can use all the reverb you want. You could be like Ingve. Well, don't I don't tour with musicians. I just I tour with just drummers and bass players. <laughs> singers, <laughs> I, so. I, I <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Uh, guitar rocks, uh, Mr. Lynch. What's the oldest piece of gear you have, and do you still have a Jordan Boss tone? I have my original Jordan Boss tone from when I was a kid. You in still the, have it in the box. You still have it, yes, in the box wow. with the price on it. I bought it at wow. the music store where I took guitar lessons, and they had a, a display of one of those 20 bucks or something, 29 bucks. Yeah, there you go, which was a lot of money back then. Sure, I mean, I bought my first real guitar which was a 1960 gibson special um uh, les paul special with a black bass tremolux piggyback uh 63 tremolux or 64 whatever i don't know i bought both of those for 80 dollars. wow so 29 dollars for a for a distortion box that's a lot of money but it was wow. magical because it, it plugs in i've ever seen them they plug into the into the les paul I, I kind of remember them. Yeah, yeah. It's not on the floor. It's just right. a little square thing like that. Yeah, yeah, box. yeah. And it's unbelievable sounding. It's, I, I don't oh. know why we're not using it right now, actually, when we get the solos out. Well, being, being as I didn't know you had it, that's yeah. the reason I didn't suggest didn't talk it. About yeah. it. <laughs> what do you think? Well, gee, we need to bring up the Jordan Boss tone. I mean, it's yeah. not a thing that's on your daily list in your calendar. But it could be. It should be. It should be. It, it will be. It'll be a new ingredient added. Uh, this is a great question. Where's the original Tiger guitar, George? Uh, I sort of sold it. Sort oh, so it's in, so it's in somebody's private collection. 
Yeah, but I get to use it whenever I want. So I used it for the Dock and Reunion tour that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for, for big events, for something like like that, I would probably get it back. Well, that's a, cool. Available to me. That's a nice arrangement. Yeah, yeah. Sure is. Yeah. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Simon Hosford, awesome chat guys, massive fan of George. What about Jeff, man? Come on. Uh, you know, bass, bass players, you know. What I mean? Yeah, geez, it's crazy. Uh, I used to ab- absolutely crank "It's Not Love." Beautiful restraint on that solo too. Simon's in a um, in a uh, a Van Halen cover band in Australia, I believe. A trip. Oh, really? oh, cool. Great, he's really good. Um, Let's see what other questions we have here. How are you guys doing on time? I'm down under. <laughs> I think they're on lockdown. Uh, Daniel Judge, George, did you ever play and record with a Mellotronics modded Marshall back? Mellotronics. Mellotronics. Yeah. Yeah. What was that guy's with, name? Uh, well, he spelled it wrong. So, <laughs> uh, what's his name? Lee Jackson. Lee, Lee yeah. Jackson. Yeah. I had some. I don't remember. I used them or not. I think they were in the studio. I don't, you know, it's hard to remember if you actually use those particular amps, you know. I think Lee Jackson says that you do, did you use them though? You know, I remember being on tour. We were on tour with Doc and we were opening up for like Twisted Sisters, one of our crazy tours. And, and we were like, it was sound. Che- I remember being in the arena and it was sound check and we were walking along and we got some guitar magazine and we, we were looking at it and there was an ad that says, you want to get that George Lynch tone? Buy this. And I went, the fuck? I never even used it. I never even see it. I didn't even know it existed. <laughs> my name to sell this product that I had never even, not only not endorsed, never even knew about. See, so, now nowadays you could go back and hit him up pretty hard. And maybe get one of those Lee Jackson pedals. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, and I even called him and I kind of called him out on it. And, <laughs> Oh really? You can't really retract a print ad. You know? Yeah, once it's out there, it's, it's out there, the right? Month's issue. Uh, oh, another question from Daniel Judge George: When you solo, are there any particular scales you prefer? Pentatonic, ma- major, minor, harmonic, minor? Uh, I really like the Lixamidian mix. Lixamidian. Yeah, <laughs> because. I was just waiting for this well, answer. I don't you like the Frigidian? <laughs> the oh, yeah. It's just at that time of the month, I like that one. And then, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I like to make up my own scales, really. <laughs> I'm going to use that from now on, man. The Lixamidian scale. That is fucking <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and the Lynchamidian, too. The Lynchamidian. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. That's Some funny. Scales. Jeff knows it. It's funny when we're working together, Jeff is a an actual like trained musician that went to like school and knows. No, I'm not. I'm a bass player. He's a bass player. You just said, you just, you just dismissed him earlier. We'll be working shit out while we're writing. And he like, he knows, well, thank God, but that's why we work together. So great. All these years, because you can, you know, like I forget everything right after I play it. But Jeff, literally every single day, this happens. He, I go, what did I just fuck? What did I just play? I forgot it. Because he goes, "I'll play it again." He goes, "No, no, no, you're not playing it. That's not what you did." I go, "I think that's what I." Did. He goes, "No, no," and he takes my guitar and he plays it the way I played it. And, oh wow! And you know, and then he just not as well. Yeah, not as cool sounding. And then you know, he'll add a, a like a, a 
sort of a, a more, I don't know how to use the term you would use, but a, like I keep, you know, I'll come up with something, let's say, and then Jeff will take it and embellish on it by adding an actual deeper musical kind of perspective to it. So it'll mm -hmm. add this note that I would have never thought of in a million years ago. Mm -hmm. Oh, now it sounds like a big people chord. Big people? That <laughs> <laughs> sounds complex now. Yeah, pretty cool. So Jeff, what do you what do you enjoy playing the most? I mean, you play a lot of instruments. I mean, bass is actually my favorite instrument. I love I love playing bass. You know, it, under the right circumstances, which oh, skin flute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm not as good on that. You know, pretty good. Like, He's got a lot of practice. Yeah, way better. Along you got to remember to tickle the balls. <laughs> <laughs> So after skin food, it'd be bass, yes. The bass. I, I say, I, I love bass. I love playing bass. That's cool. So, like, if you're going to go to jam or just, like, if you're by yourself, you're going to pick up an instrument, it's usually bass or is well, it guitar? Actually, in those sometimes it, sometimes it is, but probably more in that circumstance is a guitar, yeah. Oh, I got you. Lately, that Melody Maker that George has had, he, he's, he's been leaving it here, and, like, the last four nights in a row, in the middle of the night, I wake up, and I just come out here, and I just want to play that guitar, and I just sit out here and play that guitar. It's just hmm. you kind of go off on the piano or the grand. Is it grand? Am I right? Yeah, or well, baby it's a grand? baby grand. Yeah, baby grand. got a beautiful 1908 Steinway. Oh, oh, awesome. oh, wow, that's beautiful, awesome, awesome piano. Uh, Leonard Rodriguez, thanks for the question, George. Is it true you played through Eddie's rig on the Monster of Rock tour because you were having? We had this brilliant idea that I was just going to play through one amp when I go out there kind of a minimalist thing. I, I think that was the cocaine talking. And then uh, we got out there and the amp, the old cool Marshall that I had stopped working. And so Eddie was kind enough to loan me his backup stuff for a while, for a couple of weeks. That's cool. I didn't remember that. Yeah. Wow. Did you enjoy using it? I loved it. And then uh, they called it back at one point, you know, I, I was dragging my feet. About my returning shit, it, <laughs> yeah. my shit fixed because I was just like, I'm really happy with this. I'll just <laughs> exactly. I have to get that back. And you don't have me on the Monsters of Rock tour. So remember the the biggest bass rig in the world. <laughs> remember that? Oh, was like so Am Ampeg built me. It was really cool. It was really nice of them. They built me these amps with the idea of it being the biggest bass amp in the world. And in fact, in the 19, I think 87 or 88. Guinness Book of World Records. I'm known as having the biggest bass amp in the world. Really? Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I put my head so. But anyways, they built basically it was like three SVT heads in one in this gigantic head, and the cabinet was the equivalent of four eight tenths. So there was wow thirty tenths, and I had three of those. <laughs> but the problem is, we set it up the first day. No, actually, I, I think I only had two of those. Yeah, because that was yeah. So two two of those of those whole things, we set it up the first day, and we get done with the sound check, and the production manager comes up and says, "We got to strike the bass rig. It's nine inches taller than Michael's rig, and he doesn't want you using it." So, oh, wow. so, so so poor Ampeg, who had gone to all this expense, they'd oh. flown me out there to do all this promo and press and everything. For the Monsters of Rock tour, getting me in the Guinness Book of World's record, you know, it was a whole big, big uh, press junket thing. Oh wow! Never got to play it except for the sound check. <laughs> well, that's that's I'm surprised with Mikey. 
that he that he would do that. You know, especially yeah. I mean, actually, I didn't know him at the beginning of the tour. We got to be friends during the tour, and I I bet if it would have happened the other, you know, I bet if I would have known him first, it could have been smoothed over. But oh well. Yeah. I don't think yeah. it was him to be honest with you. I think it was the production. People. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I, I don't think he yeah. knew. <laughs> Certainly probably for sound checking. So yeah, that probably makes sense. Uh, Daniel Judge, he's misspelled uh, Metaltronics. No big deal, buddy. Um, I wonder where that that amp is now. Well, they they ended up selling it. it they they ended up selling it to the Japanese, and they they actually did okay money wise. With okay, it. good. And then it's somewhere. It would be amazing just to, to see that. It's where, somewhere like, in Japan. What are I you going to do with that? Well, I'll in tell Japan, you. Japan, you can you know live what? in it. I will tell you this: the cabinet was at a Nam show a few years ago. Was that the one, the giant one? That, yes, that that was one of mine. Okay, so I, I was there. I was watching yeah, that, and the bass player from uh, Spinal Tap. Oh, he was playing. He was playing uh, Big Bottom. Really? He was. He was. Wow. So I had a Big Bottom coming through my cabinet before it was. They even well, existed. no. Wait, wait. No, I wait. Okay, hold on. Anyways, yeah, yeah, that was that was mine. My old cabinet. Wow. That was only one of them, though. In fact, there were so many people there at the Nam show. I don't know if you saw that, Dave. When what's his name? The guy that plays bass in uh, uh Harry Shear. Harry Shear. And he was all in, in out, you know, his, his, his spinal tap outfit. Gear, yeah. And he's kind of a short guy. And, right. And the amp is huge. So the old, the only thing I could see was the amp. <laughs> I couldn't see him. I heard full. That's all on the rock, right? I think so, yeah. That, Matt, uh, that's... The whole song is every every instrument is a bass. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What did I tell you about the musician over here, huh? Wow. I mean, you got to pull out pull out the Spinal what, Tap what, lips. What, what call music college did you go to? I went to the Big Bottom School of Music. <laughs> no, but you really went to a music. I university. did. It was University of Washington, but I yeah. And it you, shows, dude. Oh man, I, mean, I just saw that. I well, that's the it. first thing they teach you is Big Bottom. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> what you have to play. <laughs> that's the audition for to, to, yeah to get in. Yeah, that's yeah. your finals. Yeah, your cap. And if you can stuff. play Big Bottom, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can talk about mud flaps, my girl's got them. You know, that's like your thesis. That's the thesis. Yeah, that's the thesis. <laughs> no, that's the thesis. <laughs> So how long it? does this show go? No offense, but <laughs> as anytime you want to end it, you let me know. He's gonna do what he does to me. He's gonna give. He's gonna leave the room and come back in his pajamas. I probably am. Yeah. No, actually, I, I do have a family that's probably going. <clears throat> Where is he? Okay. Right. No, we, we can we can wrap it up. Yeah, we can wrap it up. No problem. Uh, Rob Cunningham, man, how are you, buddy? Uh, he says, "Awesome show tonight, guys. Thanks for the amps, music, and laughs." I think there's one more super chat though that maybe we can end the show on. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, no, I didn't mean this second. I meant like two or three seconds. All right, here's here's the question that ends the show. Has George ever blown a trans on tour, and if so, was it embarrassing? What happens on tour stays on tour. It's like Vegas. That's a good ending, right there. <laughs> that's, that's, that's very good. Oh, and Simon says he didn't mean to leave you out. It's been wonderful getting to know you better. This is one of my favorite Tone Talk episodes already. Thanks, man. No problem. Oh. I was I was just busting your balls. No worries. Uh, Jeff, George, man, thank you, Sky, so much for coming on the show. Absolutely, so, man. So so much fun. <laughs> I haven't laughed like this in a while, so I appreciate it. If I didn't have a family to feed, you know, we, we could do this forever. Could you guys? No, no, this is fine. This is a perfect time. 
you guys call my wife and tell her that I was really doing this because she thinks I probably stopped at the strip club. And well, she can she can now see it on YouTube. She can go back and watch it. Oh, okay. Yeah, and well, actually, just call her and tell him that George blew a tranny, and that's why he's late tonight. So. <laughs> exactly. There's all those strip clubs that's going to Korea. Oh God, there's so many. <laughs> all right, well, guys, uh, we uh, we'll see you next time. We got another show coming up soon. I'll check us out on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else, and we'll let you know what the next show is. And uh, yeah, eight hundred coming. It's coming great. It's it's comfortably on the shelf behind me. I haven't done anything on it yet. No, I haven't done anything on it yet. I'm not lying. <laughs> well, you guys hang on one second while we say goodbye to everybody. Take care, everybody.